Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Tuesday, 24th of May. Did it rain yesterday or did I miss the rain? Was it supposed to be tippy? I thought it was a lovely day, actually. Actually, almost one of the most perfect days I think we've had in ages. Got the plants, got everything in, and then somebody said it's going to tip it down at 6 o'clock. And I don't know if it did tip it down at 6 o'clock, because when I looked out uh, this morning, it appeared to be fairly dry. Drinking beer could extend your lifespan. Useless for me, I can't stand the stuff. The shower gel that smells of bacon. The bed and breakfast owner. This is the one who refused to allow gay couples to share a bed. Uh, has had to call in the police because he's been getting offensive emails, as you can imagine, in the day of the troll. Uh, Harry's turned up at the Chelsea Flower Show, dragging behind his more important brother and, uh, and his wife. And on the way, a bumper crop of strawberries. Nothing to do with Harry, it's just the good weather. That's good, isn't it, really? And uh, why do we like the Chelsea Flower Show? Watering cans, 240 quid. Bird baths, £1,800. I mean, they do do them cheaper, and other bird baths are available. Lenny Henry's done a U-turn. He was complaining a short while ago there were no, no black faces in Broadchurch. He's going to be one of the black faces in Broadchurch. So that's, uh, so that's good news. So he's done his little bit of an outburst. And proof that a Labour MP's anti-Semitic Labour outburst uh, was anything but a one-off. Turns out she's been doing it quite a few times. We'll tell you all about her a bit later on. Also, dreary old Rebecca Adlington. You'd wish she'd get, a, get her head around a proper job and just stay out the newspapers. The latest wheezy story in the papers is that she's going to be selling the family home. Like we give a 4X, dear. We really couldn't care less. Back in Britain, the elbow of Thomas a Beckett. I mean, it's, to be honest, it could be anything. Could be something found in an abattoir, I don't know. But they've said it's the uh, it's the elbow of Thomas a Beckett, which I suppose is... Who had it? I don't know. It's 800 years out of the country. Uh, Britain's got no talent at all. It's the East European circus workers. And then, strangely enough, they've decided on Britain's Got Talent, the sword swallower has got to pre-record his bit. He's been doing it live. Uh, sorry, he's been doing it pre-record for the whole thing because the shows weren't live. Now they've got to the live semi-finals, apparently in an effort to drum up more... More publicity for the show. They've said no. In case something goes wrong, they've got paramedics on the side of the stage. And uh, they've said it's better that you pre-record it. So, in other words, if something does go wrong, you're going to see it, aren't you? But they say pre-record and you think, he works circuses. He works circuses. Why, why would they bother pre-recording? If he does it in the circus, he's live. It's, it's just, it's an act. That's what he does for his act. They go, they've got paramedics waiting, you know, by, by, the, uh, by the side of the stage. And you think, he's, listen, he's been doing this so long. He then spins it out a bit more to go, oh, yeah, but I've been doing this uh, act for ages, but this is something completely different. This is something new. And it's all very, oh, there it is. Uh, it's all very exciting. And, um, and you think to yourself, it's just to drum up interest. But I'll tell you who is going to win. It's got to be that gospel choir, hasn't it? The gospel choir are the best thing there. When I first saw them, I thought, that's, I love a good gospel choir. Absolutely love it. And I thought they could do very well. They're very, uh, very professional, very well drilled. They sing. It's, it's just fantastic. I thought they were good. Then you've got the mother and, daughter, mother and son thing which is like Vicky and uh, Bruce or something like that. I can't remember what their names are. It doesn't really matter. It's not important. And you think, so, uh, so that, 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 you think that's going to win, is it? It always strikes me as a little bit odd when you get mother and son and they're holding hands. He's about 21 and she's a bit older and they sing. And they sing, OK. I've, OK. I've heard, I've heard better. I've heard better. And then there was, what else was on? There was nothing else of any interest on there. Some bloke who, I mean, most of them can't sing for toffee. They're, there's some flat notes going out there. Bum notes. Awful. Uh, Mike says, couldn't the baker, bacon-flavoured shower gel cause a skin rasher? It's a good one. Why on earth would you ever want, seriously, ask yourself the question, why would you ever want shower gel that smells of bacon? 
I can't. Somebody's standing next to you on the bus going, you smell like a cooked breakfast. What, 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 what good look is that? There's some, uh, somebody left some, we were sent in some shower gel a while ago. Not, not for this programme, another one. And it was Lynx. And everybody studiously left it. Nobody, normally by now, somebody would have pinched it. And, uh, and nobody's pinched the Lynx. And we had a little squirt in the office and it, it kind of lingered a bit. You know, kamikaze flies are throwing themselves through the, uh, the windows. Um... Interesting, interestingly enough, uh, what were they talking about? Yeah, oh, yes, oh, yesterday I was waiting for a few things to uh, arrive. One was a, a DVD I'd ordered, one was a film, and one was a book. And luckily, they all arrived at exactly the same time. Uh, the book is the one that I was talking about the other day, which is the definitive guide to British circus. In fact, it's called British Circus Life. It's by Lady Eleanor Smith, and I picked up this copy for 11 pence on Amazon. It's uh, a library copy. And uh, it's it's lovely when you look at sort of library copies. I mean, to me, it makes no difference that it's a library copy. It came from uh, the National Library of Scotland. And I think this book, I'm trying to find out the year of it. I thought it was about the 1940s. I'm pretty certain. And uh, first published by Harrop in High Hoban in London. And it's a, it's a lovely book about Rico's Circus, uh, together with, uh, with photos. It's, uh, because it's a library copy, it's been looked after. It's just, it's just what British circus life was. Just really, really wonderful. So I'm really pleased to have that. I did say the other day, once I get it, I shall sit on the train and read it and be a happy person. Uh, the DVD that I ordered, uh, I was a big fan of the show Why, when it came into town, starring Arturo Brachetti. Uh, who I've known for years now. He's an Italian quick-change artist. He's huge. In Italy and around the continent, Arturo is huge. And the show Why came in at the Piccadilly Theatre. We used to go all the time. It had magic. It had everything. And uh, I'd always wanted some of the music from it. And lo and behold, one of the tracks has come out on a CD. Uh, The track is Illusions. uh, And it's on a CD called Lost West End. And it's got tracks from shows that you might have forgotten, like Bernadette, Witch Witch, Leonardo, Gone with the Wind, Valentine's Day, Le Trek, The Far Pavilions, Mutiny. And it's got all of these songs on there, uh, which I can't wait to play in the car. And it's got the song Illusions with Arturo Brichetti, uh, La Carva, uh, The Far Pavilions, One Night, all sorts of Mutiny. I think that was starring David Essex, and I think he's singing on it. So Lost West End is a CD which is out now. And the... DVD that I bought is called Spotlight. Spotlight was the scandal that shocked the world. Uh, you will be very angry if you watch this uh, because it's uh, it's the Boston Globe. Uh, I think it's one of the only newspapers that has a dedicated team of investigative journalists. And uh, they started to delve into allegations of child abuse within the Catholic Church. Uh, They had one person go to them, and this turned into an absolute river of people. Uh, It's it's very interesting, facing political opposition and resistance from the far-reaching influences of the church who tried to cover up things and tried to deny. It's only in recent times that the popes have acknowledged the fact that they've got a serious problem with paedophile priests within the Catholic Church. And I think so many have been thrown out of the church, because what they did in the early days... And it's well, well documented. If they found a paedophile priest in one parrot, they'd move them somewhere else. So they'd carry on doing it elsewhere. They just moved the problem from place to place. They didn't acknowledge it at all. They really didn't acknowledge it. And so when this film came out, Spotlight, uh, people were going, oh, it's disgraceful, it's this and that. But it was going on within the Catholic Church. Not the first time. There was a huge um, scandal, I think, over in Canada. 
And there they had a lot of children who'd been taken in by the Catholic Church who were looking after them in orphanages. And uh, the children were being systematically abused by some of the abusive priests who were working in these homes. And it just got... In fact, if you, if you watch the film Catholic Boys, that'll give you a rough idea. I think Andrew, Andrew Connors in that one. And that's, again, got a sadistic Catholic priest who, uh, who is out to cause as much trouble as possible. The boys, of course, have a different idea. Over in Canada, the boys complained. A couple of them complained to the authorities about the abuse that they were suffering at the hands of uh, a couple of the priests in there, and they were dismissed. They, they were sort of told, don't be so silly, don't be so silly. And they, and they dismissed them until one of the boys, years later, got to talk to a journalist and said, this has been going on with me and my brother and a few other people here. And then what they needed, they needed the boys to testify. That was the problem. They couldn't get the boys to testify to start with. Eventually they persuaded them. And uh, the priest who was abusing them had since moved on, I think, to Nova Scotia and was married with children until the day the knock came on the door and uh, and they said they they've made complaints against you, and that was uh, and that was that. So so the Catholic Church started to unravel itself. In Spotlight, it's a similar sort of story. Uh, you know the this this expose that these people did. At one point, they had to stop doing it because something occurred. I think it was nine eleven, and they had to stop doing it for a little while. But they didn't let the the investigation stop, and they carried on. And it's uh, a friend of mine said, "You've got to see this film. This is." One of the best films you'll ever see. You'll get very angry with it. So I said, OK, so I ordered it. So it came out yesterday. Spotlight, it's called. Spotlight. And you can find it on Amazon and other places as well. 84850, steve uh, Was it Kevin the Milkman who was featured on a TV news story yesterday about the comeback of morning milk rounds? I think so. I think so. Our Kevin is far more famous than we ever imagine. Ever imagine. Uh, and I met a most peculiar woman yesterday. Peculiar. I mean, really, quite clearly, not the full shilling. I'm in Paul Paul Cooper's shop. We're having a chat about, you know, different bits and pieces. We didn't talk about strawberries, ironically, yesterday. We talked about geranium. I picked up some geraniums and some lupins and stuff like that. And this woman comes out to me. She's been in there before. And she just stares at you. And then she goes, it is you. And I go, you say this every time. Yes, it is me. When I woke up this morning, it was me. It's always going to be me. And then she goes... You don't have to be so rude. I thought, well, you keep saying it. It's four times now. It's getting a bit boring for everybody concerned. So, um, and then she went, oh, you're just like Katie Hopkins. And at that moment, I thought, listen, any credibility you ever had, which was minuscule, has now gone out the window. She said, I don't think I shall listen to you again. I said, and so I said, I couldn't really give a stuff, dear. Makes no difference to me whether you listen or whether you don't listen. One person ain't going to make no difference at all. And so, uh, and so she said, that's why you've got diabetes. You're fat. And I thought, rude, offensive and nearing death. That was the way we summed her up yesterday. And, uh, and Paul said, he said, I've asked her to leave on a few occasions. said she's not, not quite the full shilling. It's this sort of staring at people. Really odd. I felt like saying to her, you need to go get help and some medication, for God's sake. Get it quickly. So apart from that, I went back and I... Uh... Delicious. Uh, shared a bottle of Prosecco with Lynn. We sorted out the world and I still haven't done my VAT. I've got to do my VAT today. I'm going to do it when I get home. That's my first thing. I'm going to get home and I'm going to apply. It'll, it'll take five minutes. That's the stupid thing. I know. I never just never got round to doing it. I keep putting it off. Yeah, I've sort of done, yeah, sort of done the hanging baskets. So I mean, I've still got trays of stuff to pot up yet. I haven't quite finished it or got to the end of it. I bought the earth and I've done everything. But the VAT, I've got it. I mean, it's, it's literally going to take five minutes. Once I've picked out the, in, it's only six invoices. I'm trying to talk myself out of it. And uh, this is the latest I've ever left it. It doesn't have to be paid until the 10th of next month. But it's got to be submitted by, pardon me, by the end of this month. So I will do it. 
Well, I better do it, otherwise I'm going to be in the most dreadful trouble. <laughs> dreadful trouble. Uh, 84850, uk. Uh, the great TV lies and delusions. Ryland saying, I've still got a show. Yeah, barely. Clinging on. I don't know why. There's one particular columnist in the paper, perhaps he fancies him, who keeps writing about, you know, what how good the show is. It's dire. It's absolutely dire, dire, dire. Uh, the killer dog, who um, they've had to put down... I think, have they put it down or they've not put it down? And this was a man who had to, seemed to have three of these dogs. Now, as I pointed out to you before, these uh, staffy crosses, there's no such thing as a bad dog. There's bad owners. Owners who don't bother to train them. Owners who think that they're big, clever people. They walk around with their dog on a piece of rope. You know, these are the numpties of the world. So it came as no surprise to me that this dog turned on this bloke because he's got three others who've also been taken away for analysis. And uh, the, uh, the children and the family couldn't do anything about it. Once these dogs get a grip, it makes no difference whether you think that's my dog. This dog was having him. And it did. Went for his throat. Went for his throat. I mean, what sort of person has a dog that goes for your throat, for Christ's sake? I mean, you have to ask yourself the big question. This man shouldn't have even had dogs in the first place. He had four of them in the house. How dangerous. We've seen dogs that have picked up children and pulled them to pieces. And this is an adult. He'd not been well. But even so, this was obviously a, a, a dangerous dog. And the family are now coming to terms with the fact that they watched their father being killed by a dog. You wouldn't have imagined it was possible. You just thought, dogs, you just go, get off, and they go and sit in the corner. and All that kind of stuff. Not this one. This clung on, ripped his throat out. So, as I say, I have no sympathy for these people at all. I wish I did have. But, frankly, they should have got... What, do you think these people ever go to puppy training classes? No, they don't. And that's why you get responsible dog owners who'll say, you're absolutely right, Steve. It's bad owners. You see them walking down the street. They think they're the big I ams. You might as well stick them with a poodle because they look like those sort of people, don't they, really? Walk down there, I've got Staffy. Yeah, Staffy. What are you, mate? I'm big. They had a bloke the other day. He got stopped on the Interceptor programme. In Slough, as always. Slough, come bombs, rain on it. And... Um, and he gets stopped. They go, hello, mate. Uh, we're just stopping because it comes up as no uh, no insurance on this. And we just recently bought the vehicle. So, of course, he goes into his lie routine. The lie routine generally is, uh, yeah, I just bought it a few days ago. And we're just transferring the insurance over from a Volkswagen to this, which, of course, was the biggest lie under the sun. And then it turns out he's only got a provisional licence and it lapsed. So he wasn't even supposed to be driving in the first place. So they said, oh, we're going to have to take your, your vehicle off you. You have to walk home, girly boy, aren't you? And so he says, yeah, but I've got a dog in the car. And they have to get this dog out, which is a staffy. But he doesn't have a lead for it because he's so dumb and so stupid. And so he has to find a bit of clothing to tie around the thing. A pink item of clothing. Kind of summed him up, I thought, kind of, as he walked off down the road and uh, was then found guilty in court of driving with no insurance, no, uh, no driving licence. And he was happily driving around. Dear God in hell, but I hope that you never, ever have an accident with somebody like that because you're never going to get any money out of them at all because they all plead. They got, you can afford a dog, but uh, can't afford to go puppy training classes. And having a dog in the car with no, no lead on it, of course, he wasn't expecting to be tugged by the police, was he? And, uh, Steve, I think that singers should only appear on The X Factor and leave Britain's Got Talent to the specialty acts. Yeah, I mean, how do you judge a gospel choir against a sword swallower? I know. It's just a way, because, they, listen, if they only did it with... People like Sword Swallowers and those variety acts, they wouldn't have a programme. You need to fill it up with singers. So you're right, actually, it's like putting on the Sword Swallower onto X Factor. And half these people haven't got the X Factor. They've got none. Have I taken a break? No, all right, I'm doing it. You're very slow this morning, aren't you? He's in one of his funny moods again today. We had this earlier on. It's like, it's like going through the male menopause with him, seriously. I think he gets out of bed and he goes, grumpy, 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 grumpy. Yes. Sorry? 18 past four. OK. 18 past four. 
Every weekday morning from 7, only on LBC. Ferrari this morning, as George Osborne claims a Brexit could hit the lowest earners the hardest, we visit some of the most deprived areas of the UK to get voters' reaction. We'll also hear of uh, your stories of misdiagnosis on the NHS after a man died of pancreatic cancer following the hospital ignoring a diagnosis from a previous referral. And they'll speak to the owner of a cat who went missing in South Devon nine years ago, which has uh, turned up in Glasgow. Oh, it must be some hell of a deluded cat, honestly. It wanders from South Devon, beautiful, picturesque, lovely, sunshine, Glasgow. Hello, what's going on? You need to explain things to cats. Emma Crosby, uh, the news broadcaster, will be looking at the papers with Nick. That's all after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Nice to be company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. And uh, I got a, a, a text, email, I don't know what it is now, I can't remember. Uh, Henri White, who's a, a magician and a pianist who's been playing at the Hippodrome. Can you imagine what a combination, a pianist and a magician. Both involve using your hands. Producer looks interested. One of those rare occasions. Uh, he lives in Gravesend. That's all I know. And he's Henri the Magician from Sunday night at the Palladium. And, um, and he plays piano at the Hippodrome Casino until the early hours. This could be the early hours. I don't know what time they... Fi- I know it's 24 hours at the casino, but I don't know what time they sort of finish over there before he starts heading off again. That must be a nightmare, mustn't it? Although I quite like that's a good time to head back to Kent, isn't it? Garden of England. And um, what did I get here? Oh, Will Manning started following me because he's now presenter on one of our sister stations, uh, which he's very excited about. Very excited. He's another one who looks about 15. Why does everybody look so young in this business? It's quite depressing, actually. When I went to the Archiva Awards, I was standing outside and I said to you, I'm sort of standing there, sort of fat and 40 plus. And... Um, and all these young people are going in, and I'm thinking, am I sure I'm in radio? And then I think it doesn't really matter, does it, what you look like in radio? Thank the Lord. Otherwise, we would be in dreadful trouble. Imagine if they only employed attractive people. Half of LBC would disappear, I think. Uh, 84850, uk, And uh, we'll try and weave everything in. And, uh, you know, uh, it was interesting... Uh, somebody, I, th- I did hear it. I'm sure that Darren was talking about believing in fairies, and he was having this sort of discussion with somebody about, you know, do you believe in fairies? Well, of course, some people do. Some people believe in all sorts of things. People believe in everything, don't they? If people believe in Loch Ness monsters and they believe in fairies at the bottom of your garden, depending on whether you live next to a gay couple, and uh, and, and people want to believe in little green men from outer space and the moon is made of green cheese, well, then you can get them to believe anything at all. Absolutely anything at all. Then they were talking about, what were they talking about in the paper today? Oh, yes, bricklayers. We're so short of bricklayers, they're paying £1,000 a week, I thought. And the rest of it. And the rest of it. There's a, there's a great shortage of workers in this country. That's why there's so many people coming in from, uh, from Romania and Poland and everything else. And you see them all at Waterloo Station in the morning. Although yesterday, strangely, my train was empty. Normally at Waterloo, there's about, you know, half a dozen of us, and it's a huge street. It's got 14 carriages. It's huge. Because it, it's not so much the going out bit, it's bringing them back in again. So it's got to go out, big train, coming back in, very full train. And, um, and what are you doing? What are you doing now? What are you doing? Staples. There's always a world, what are you doing? Staples. I just said, what are you doing, Staples? And you went, no. You're terrible. I bet your mother used to say things to you when you were younger and go, did you touch that? And you went, no. She go, did you touch it? go, yes. But, <laughs> you see, the trouble is, you mustn't, you mustn't go on, on the defensive every time. I'm not picking on you because you're from another country and, you know, and you're over here. And then he told me the other day who actually got him the job at LBC. Well, they're off the Christmas card list straight away. <laughs> and, uh, and so what, what were those cakes we were talking about ages ago? 
those things in Australia, what are they called? Lamingtons. I got sent so many pictures of lamingtons. Seriously, some friends of mine who are a member of the Twickenham Yacht Club, it's all very posh down there, uh, they sent me in a lovely picture of this, this fridge thing full of lamingtons. I've never seen so many different... I didn't know there were so many different types. I thought there were just one. They're delicious. Do you buy them in, in this country? Can you buy them here? No. There must be some sort of Aussie shop that sells those sort of things, mustn't there? I was like, yeah. So if anybody knows where they would get lamingtons from, do, do let me know. I did buy the other day. I was very naughty. I went to uh, buy some flannels because uh, I was running... Because I, I like flannels. So I bought 40. And uh, I know, it seems slightly odd, doesn't it? Even the woman behind the counter said, do you like flannels? I said, do you know, strangely, I do. I, bought, I said, if I could get the blasted price tags off them, I'd buy more. But it takes ages to get the price tags off. Little tiny bits of plastic going through the flannel. They're a blooming pain in the rear end. I said, why can't you just put sticker, you know, sticky stickers on? It must be cheaper. And I don't know. Three times I asked her if I could have a bag. And three times, you know, we sort of... And then eventually she went, do you need a bag? I said, no, I'm going to walk out with 40 flannels in my hand. Quite clearly not. Of course I'll have a bag. It was quite a nice bag, actually. 5p, well worth it. They always tell you, don't they? 5p. And then I get on the bus. And I'm standing where the prams go. Because I quite like looking out the window. I didn't want to sit down because there were single people on seats. And I didn't want to sit next to them because I didn't like the look of them. And, uh, and so I stood up. And I'm looking at the corner of the bus. And then one, one pram gets on, so I sort of move a little bit down. And then another woman gets on. And she was quite clearly yummy mummy. Okay, you are. She's got the pram, she's got the whole outfit, and she's thin as a rake after having a child. Which, of course, makes everybody else feel perfectly awful. And so she puts the pram in there. And I'm still standing in the corner. And then she says to me after about two minutes, she goes, excuse me, can I get round to feed my child? In a patronising way. I felt like saying, can't it feed itself? Looked old enough to me. And, uh, and so she, she, she sort of wedged herself in behind me, so I sort of moved a bit further down. And, uh, and she proceeded not to feed the child. And I thought, she was such a snooty woman, I couldn't... I nearly took a picture and put it up on, uh, on the thing. Because I thought, honestly, people with prams, what is their attitude problem? They clog up the supermarkets, they clog up the coffee shops. Terrible, terrible. Mick says, why are there so many foreign acts on Britain's Got Talent? Well, because it's Europe. It's Europe. So it's, I mean, ad admittedly, I argued that toss before and got shot down in flames because I thought if it's Britain's got talent, I'm assuming it's people from here. But I mean, how many sword swallowers do you know? I mean, they don't like us on the Eurovision Song Contest, so they couldn't they couldn't really call it anything else, could they? Well, I don't think so. Anyway, <laughs> I did take a couple of pictures of the of the flowers yesterday, which are planted up, some of them and um and people going, oh, right, so all these are going to turn into something nice, are they? And I go, actually, they will. I promise you, in a, in a sort of about a month's time, my verbena is going to be pushing itself out the pot like there's no tomorrow. It's going to be the biggest you've ever seen. And all the colour, and it's going to look really fantastic. The yellows and the purples and the dark blacks and the reds and the bright reds and the vivid reds and the vivid pinks. It's going to look great. At the moment, it just looks a bit feeble. But I promise you, it's going to look fantastic. And I'll take a picture and you go, is that the same thing? Even Neil says you need to feed it. I've already given them one feed. They've had one feed. They're not having anything else at the moment. Uh, another one here. And dun, 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 dun. Where are we? Oh, yes. Uh, Martin is listening in in Vegas. He says, do you need any shirts bringing back? No, I'm all right, actually, at the moment. Thank you. There's definitely something on the matter with my ordering Tommy Bahamas online. I go all the way through ordering the shirts, and it gets to the end and go, we're able to process it. I don't know if it's a problem with their server or it's a problem with me. It's uh, 8 a.m. Oh, sorry, 8 p.m. spiking over in Vegas instead of the usual 4 a.m. 8 p.m. spiking. Isn't that great? I love the idea. 
I seriously love it. I think it's so clever that you can listen to LBC around the world. You can go around the world and you can still listen to it. And it's like a little bit of home. I got um, an email yesterday from somebody that I've not seen for ages and ages. In fact, I've not seen him since he was probably about 10, 10 years old. And I used to work for his mother in Vienna. And uh, he was always a very clever young man. He was bilingual at a very, very early age. And he would have a conversation in German with his, with his mother. And, and then he'd say, oh, Steve, uh, what I said was this. And he would, then ex- he would then translate what he'd said to his mother. Very bright boy, very bright boy. He now runs his, I think, third in command of a huge company in Paris. And he sent me a thing the other day saying it's been ages. He sent me in a picture uh, of me years ago in Vienna. I'm going to try and find it, actually. Let's see if I can find this blooming thing. I might not be able to, but I'm going to have a good go. And I can show the... Because I don't think the, the producer can see this. Um, and, and it was really... Wait a minute, where is this thing? It was really lovely, because it was interesting looking at a picture of me taken probably about, I would think, 20 years ago. I would think 20 years ago. And I looked at it and I thought, you know, actually, there was a period where I was terribly exciting looking. Oh, the pigeon wasn't there again this morning. I don't know why it wasn't there. It's obviously, obviously, word has sort of filtered through the uh, the pigeon world to say, don't go anywhere near this bloke's property. He'll, he'll have you with his water pistol. Uh, wait a minute. Let's see if I, I've got to find this picture because it's, it's so good. And I'm trying to work out how I can upload it to my telephone and then put it onto, uh, onto my, my tweet. Because you'll love it for people who collect uh, old pictures of LBC, and I seem to have more old pictures than most people. Uh, this is this is really a good one. So that oh, where's the blooming thing gone? You know, it's so you know when you find something and you think, where is it? Where is it? And and he ah here it is, here it is. And and he sent this uh, yeah friend of mine. I sent it off to a friend of mine, and he sent it back going, good grief, uh, because I I was actually really good looking. It was only for a brief... Oh, I'm late again. Uh, news time, 4.30. Latest headlines. Zora Suleiman. Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Sorry, I was, I'm, I'm trying to find this blasted thing. I can't find it. It's so annoying. You know when you, you try and find something and you think, I'm not, I'm not doing very well with this at all. And I'm not finding what I'm supposed to be finding. But never mind. After you pass it on to somebody, does it then vanish from your list? I do hope not. I do hope not. But uh, we're still with sort of... Uh, was that the... Uh, oh, the Red Pandas. Little Julie did the Red Pandas, feeding Red Pandas, which is lovely. She had been a very informative keeper called Amy. I must tell you, I was going to tell you a story about uh, about a washing machine breakdown. Uh, dishwasher, but then I thought, uh, no, save it. Save it for another time. I shall find Oliver's thing a short while ago. So anyways, he sent me this, this, this lovely picture of me uh, taken in Vienna about umpteen years ago can't remember how many years ago and I remember looking at it thinking I was wearing all white white shorts white t-shirt I was a lot slimmer then of course I was able to wear white (laughs) thank god (laughs) how times have changed Paul Cooper in the market flowers any more plants no I'm fine thank you Paul I'm fine he was he was going mad for plants yesterday we had lupins we had uh oh some pelagoniums we had all sorts of nice things and uh, so I've got a nice tray of bright red um geraniums which are going in today. The rest of them are going in today. So, fine, thank you, Paul. That's what we use the programme for now. Have you noticed it's just an ordering place, as far as I'm concerned, which is, which is good news. Uh, what else have we got happening this week? Oh, I'm talking to Bear Grylls a little bit later on, on Thursday. That'll be for, hopefully, this weekend's In Conversation. And um, Paul says, we, we sell Aussie food at work. 
uh, in the World Food Bit, just down the road from the Ace Cafe. Things like Tam Tam Biscuits. Is Tim Tim Tams, are they? Oh, right. Very excited now. He thinks we're speaking his language. OK, all right. Colour and movement. Here we go. Wave your hand in front of him. And uh, he says, I'll get more details in the week and prices. Not cheap due to the import tax. But if you've got these, what are they called now? No, the other things. Lamingtons. Yeah, if, if you can get Lamingtons, let us know about them. I can't remember what they are now. Are they spongy-looking things? That's a spongy chocolate on the outside and different bit of coconut there. Apparently in Australia this is like a big deal. You can imagine how simple it is over there, can't you? What have we got today? We're having a lamington for tea. Woo! Can't believe it. Bring your friends round. (laughs) Which one is it? Chocolate with coconut. Woo! Can't believe we pushed the boat out on that one. (laughs) I've got to taste one, though, because I want to see what they're like. But I have a sneaking feeling it'll be like a coconut pyramid with chocolate. Better than pork pies. He hated the pork pie. Is that funny? You know, you, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it um, anyway. Well, in his case, you couldn't. And uh, and he uh, and he, he tried the pork I couldn't believe he'd never had a pork pie before. I thought everybody in this country had eaten a pork pie. Not the producer. Oh, no. There's obviously still things. That I'm, I, I now feel it's my duty to go around and try and find things that he won't have eaten before. <laughs> I mean, I thought everybody would eat a pork pie. I mean, I just and he sort of he sort of he did it a little bit, a bit like that, a bit girly. You know, it's hardly anything butcher. But most most Aussies just pick it out and shove it all in their mouth at the same time. You know, not this one. It gets a little nice, delicately cuts a bit off, and, and we get the whole kiddie screwed up face that goes with it. And we had that kind of thing. He's going to spit it out, isn't he? You just know he's going to spit it out. And he went through the whole blooming drama queen bit about, oh, I don't like it. Well, don't eat it then. It's only a bit of pork. You must have eaten pork before. Not for religious reasons. You're not, and there's not a religious reason why you wouldn't eat pork, is there? No. Cold pork and pastry. You thought that was weird. And you don't think lamingtons are weird. You think lamingtons are normal. That of course they are, because you're simple. Because, you know, I mean, to you, a carrot probably represents a meal in itself. <laughs> two carrots. Yeah, two carrots is a party in Australia. Whee! It's like whenever we see somebody coming into Paul Cooper's shop and they pick up one, one parsnip and one carrot, we always go, party at your place, is it? You know, Some of them look at you. If, if, if they're not British, they don't understand cynicism. And we do cynicism really well. Like, you know, you look really great in that outfit. And they go, thank you. And you think, I didn't mean it. I'm just saying that. We're like British. We don't. We give backhanded compliments. Do you go to the hairdresser today? Didn't think so. You know, and we say things like that. People go, oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, get all excited. But never to have eaten a pork pie. I thought that had to be some revelation. I mean, Nigel, certain things I've not eaten as well. I mean, most things I've eaten in this country. But uh, I, I, I tell you what, I can't bear sushi. I can't bear sushi. Whereas you probably love sushi, don't you? Yeah, it's delicious. See, I just don't like it. That's like sort of, that's just like dead fish with soy sauce. And I don't, I don't do things like that. I don't, cold pork, it's, it's cooked. It's cooked in this pie. That's what it's cooked. It is, it's, you don't have a hot pork pie, unless you're Australian. And uh, you'd probably sling it on the barbie. Uh, we're slinging a pork pie on the barbie. Steve recommended this one to us. Just see it now, but two carrots and they go whoopie doo down there. But uh, like sushi. See, I can't bear sushi. I know it looks pretty and it's supposed to be good for us. In fact, we've just lost a sushi place in, in Twickenham. We used to have one. In fact, we lost quite a few places. People open up shops and I always think to myself, why don't you just scout the area first and, and work out whether or not we need something? Because the one thing we don't need at the moment is any more charity shops. We've got more than enough, thank you very much indeed. Generally staffed by little old ladies. We're probably trousering the money anyway. And uh, we get coffee shops. Uh, we've got a proliferation of coffee shops. Bakers, we've got quite a few of at the moment. I think we've got about one, we've got one, two, 
three, and I think we can have four and five. How much bread can we eat? But I do like a hot sausage in the morning. I, I'm, I'm quite partial to a hot... It's got to be a good quality sausage. I don't mind paying for a good quality sausage. I just don't, I don't want to pay for substandard sausages. You know, I'm a bit, uh, a bit like that. Uh, if work don't sell lamingtons, they don't look too tricky to make, says Paul. We're not, we're not making anything. This isn't some baking programme on LBC. We're not sort of, you know, unless we'll make a lamington today. It doesn't work like that. This is me asking people if, you know, if you sell them wherever you are, let me know and I'll come around and buy some or you can send some in and I'll send you the money or whatever it happens to be. But we don't, we don't bake anything on the programme, Paul. I think you've obviously got the... It's not the BBC. It's not the BBC. We're not wasting your money by sort of having sort of a really elderly woman and a sort of spivvy-looking man there trying to flog you a dodgy-looking tapioca pudding or something like that. Don't get me wrong, I enjoy watching the baking programme. Some of them are very clever, but I like anybody who can even ice a cake. You know, I mean, I love watching the Food Channel. I could watch that for ages. They, they create these things. And I think, if, if, if I could cook, I'd probably be dangerous. But, uh, like that man who worked in the curry house, the owner of it, and to cut corners, he was buying stuff that had peanuts in it. And this man came in, had a curry, went into anaphylactic shock, and he died as a result. And I'm delighted to say that the owner of the curry house has been sent to prison for six years. Far too... I mean, if, if that's the price of life in this country now, six years, then I feel very, very disappointed. Very, very disappointed. But uh, I wonder how many other restaurants are cutting corners. And so people become very sick. Maybe not as sick as this man. Uh, but they become sick and they just put it down to, you know, bad tummy bug or something like that. It could be people cutting corners. Because if this bloke's cutting corners, you bet your bottom dollar... Everybody else is cutting corners, and that's what really annoys me nowadays. It's, you know, it's like, uh, you know, going anywhere, really. Go and have a look at the kitchens of, of places. On second thoughts, maybe don't look at kitchens in places. It might put you off, actually. It's the sort of thing, it actually, it, it probably could put you off. It would be the sort of thing that you get. They all say, you know, come and have a, come and have a look in the, in the kitchens. And I always think, oh, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. And then I think, maybe not. I don't want to. I've seen it on the television. It's, it's the same sort of thing, isn't it? People, you know, sort of look at uh, things on the television and you, you see chefs taste, tasting stuff. And then you think to yourself, are they, are they sticking their fingers in everybody's food? And the answer is probably yes. Probably yes. Probably yes. And that's why I, I, I'm a little bit funny like that. I don't like people making sandwiches with bare hands. I think they should all be wearing gloves. I really do. I mean, I, I don't know why. I mean, I'm not sure how many diseases you can pick up from dirty hands. I mean, I've never been ill having a sandwich, and I don't know how they're made anyway. So I'm, I'm sort of, I'm fairly cautious over things like that. And then somebody said, because if you're serving food, you're not supposed to be handling money, because money's got more germs on it than anything else, which is a little bit worrying, isn't it, really? But I, I, I try not to think about too many things. It's like, it's like sort of using public toilets. You know, you don't like to, because you think, they just don't look very clean and hygienic. It's even, even sort of toilets in, in pubs, don't look very hy- hygienic. Uh, let's have a look. Oh, dear, honestly, this really is annoying me, this thing. So that's go away. Don't want... Ah, there is my pi- I found my, my, uh, my picture, but you can't see it, can you? Can you see my picture? Oh, you can't see it. You'll have to have a look in a minute. It's really good, actually. Pretty good picture of me. I think so. But then I'm looking at Telia Herald. I'm looking at my, my producer there at Blue Danube. And I don't know who was standing at the side. Could have been another producer. I look quite good in a pair of shorts, actually. I'm quite excited by that. And it's only for me to see. So uh, thank you, Oliver, very much indeed. Uh, he used to do magic. I used to take him to Vienna Magic when he was young. And uh, he says he, he doesn't do it. But he says, I've still got all the stuff that we bought together way back when and have religiously moved it from Vienna to Canterbury, Lyon, London, 
Paris. And that's in the last 15 plus moves. He says, it reminds me of the help you gave me. Thank you. He says, I keep telling myself one day I'll start again. So there you go. There you go. And uh, I can't remember uh, the last time we saw it. I cannot remember the... uh, the date of this. I'm going to drop him a line later on. And I got another email yesterday from a friend of mine who I've not spoken to for quite a few years who said uh, we need to catch up. It was obviously, it was really weird yesterday because I had a, a, not a dream, but I remember thinking, and it works for me like this. I remember I was sitting there thinking, I must talk to a friend of mine. She's about to start a new job. And uh, the phone rang. It was her. And then I was thinking about this other friend of mine who I've lost contact with. And blow me down, a text message comes in at 10 to 6 from this person. I mean, am I psychic? Or is this just, it's just one of these odd things, is it? I don't, I mean, I, I don't really know. Because some, I, think, I think about the producer. And what I'm thinking about happening to him has not happened so far. So obviously I'm not that psychic. So we'll take a break instead. Quarter to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Four to, 30, I can't even tell the time now. 13 minutes to five. It's Tuesday. It's the twenty. 24th of May. And I'm going to have to check the weather. I keep looking at this picture of me years ago. Oh, God, I was good looking. And uh, <laughs> happy days. Happy days indeed, Oliver. Happy day. All of a sudden, I wonder why it is that people all of a sudden write to you. You know when you've not heard from somebody for years? And I, and I thought about responding because we both changed. We both changed dramatically. Me, because it was about 28 years ago. It would, yes, it would be about 28 years ago. It would probably make him, he could, I don't know how old Oliver would be now. Anyway, uh, whatever it is, I felt like writing back. Because he said, you know, I'm in London for a few hours uh, every week, obviously on business. He he sort of comes in, either by Eurostar probably, and uh, and does a bit of business and then goes back out again. And he said, you know, it'd be nice to meet up again. And I thought to myself... Do you really want to meet up? Now, this this was a big dilemma because I've done this before with people. The image that you've got in your mind of them. I mean, luckily, I've seen a photo of him and he's probably seen photos of me now because um, I'm fairly well, well documented on the LBC website. And you think to yourself, do you, do you write to somebody and go, listen, um, what what happened years ago? You know, when we met and it was great and it was fantastic and all the rest of it. But now I'm a lot older. And I don't want you to be disappointed, you know, the way I've, I sort of end up looking now. Because you do see people after years. I remember seeing a friend of mine after, after some years, and, I, and my jaw nearly hit the floor. It was almost, the person was unrecognisable as the person I remembered in my mind. It's like when you see people meeting up for these programmes on, on the television. And they do a reunion. You've not seen your Auntie Winifred for 37 years, and here she is, and in walks a perfect stranger. And you've got no idea who they are because they're dead because you only remember them when you were a little tiny person. That's so why I don't know whether to say, yeah, let's meet up for a cup of coffee. Because you think, how I, I mean, I've done it with, with, with a few people, a few people I used to work with years and years ago. And I think you can do it once. I don't think you can do it again because I think it's better with the memories of what life was like that. And that's what I thought. That was, I mean, you might have different thoughts on it, but that's the way I see it. I sort of think to myself, I've actually pro- probably changed a lot and they probably changed a lot. Uh, they, there's an Australian national anthem. He said it's uh, football, meat pies, kangaroos and Holden cars. What are Holden cars? Are they, uh, is that something? Brand of car. Are they very popular? Oh, you'd say Ford. Right. And uh, think, think Chav, he says. He also says lamingtons are just usually a dried up bit of old stale sponge cake covered in chocolate dipped in coconut. But they like that. 
They like that. He has you, you've got no taste at all, says the producer. Who know? I mean, he's been brought up on on things like that. He absolutely he sort of he sort of loves it. That's it. It's a little bit of home for him. If, if I produced a picture of Lamingtons now, we'd probably have tears. We'd probably have a little bit of a welling up. And yeah, Steve, oh, I miss everybody back home again. Oh, what my Lamingtons and all this kind of stuff. And you give them a pork pie, and you get it practically thrown back in your face again. Uh, there's a, a coffee shop in uh, Feather Lane. Uh, called Department of Coffee and Social Affairs. They sell lamingtons. Are they are they genuine or are they just the English version? I, I couldn't bear to have the English version of it. My mother used to do uh, coconut pyramids. And that was a sponge in the shape of a pyramid. And then what she'd do is she'd paint it with apricot jam. I don't know why apricot jam, as opposed to anything else. Apricot jam. And then roll it in desiccated coconut. And we said, and that was that was quite nice. And we used to call them coconut pyramids. So the lamingtons were like a sponge, obviously made in a tray, which was then sort of coated in chocolate, I'm assuming. Are they chocolate all round them? Or is it just chocolate on the top? Oh, it's all round. So in other words, you'd have to make these things, then cut them into squares, and then dip them in chocolate, and then dip them in the coconut, and then put them down to set. Far more complicated, I think. Far more. But that's, that's what it is. Steve, Tesco's in Earl's Court sell Aussie food, says Jamie. Well, they would do. There's a big, uh, there's a big contingent, isn't there, of... Um, of Australians in Earl's Court. They seem to like the boho chic. They like that. Uh, just going to Tesco, pick up some lamingtons. You want to come with us, Steve? And uh, we thought we'd get some tinnies and have a barbie this afternoon. And I always go, thank you, no. I'd rather go home and eat in a proper restaurant. I don't enjoy eating food outside. You can never tempt me with a barbecue. I'm never that excited by them. <laughs> I sort of, I'd rather cook the stuff and serve it to people than actually eat it. I really, I just don't do the eating of it at all. Uh, Looking forward to seeing my uh, old mate, uh, Steve Markham, and his lovely wife, Annie. We're taking them on a three-day cruise down the Canal du Midi on our Dutch barge, somewhere, from Toulouse to somewhere else. If they're well-behaved and up early enough, we might even introduce them to Steve Allen. Oh, it's an acquired taste. But, you know, I bump into people on a daily basis who listen to the programme. Seriously, I mean, I don't think there is a day goes by where I don't bump into a number of ladies, certainly in Twicken, apart from the barking mad one, and uh, and gentlemen. I bump into, and you know, do you remember I went down? I went down to the barracks next to Buckingham Palace. Uh, I was going down there to interview uh, the bloke who did the uh, the army wives choir, Gareth, and uh, and I get to the to the barracks entrance, and there's a big a big butch sergeant major there, and I said. Uh, I said, I'm here to interview Gareth Malone. And he said, uh, name? I said, Steve Allen. He said, we know exactly who you are, Steve. We listen to your programme every morning. And I thought, that's a nice thing, isn't it? That's a nice thing. There's people, you know, out working and soldiers and all sorts of people. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a milkman or, you know, a, a publisher or anything at all. We, got, we, we cross the boundaries on LBC. We literally cross... Well, it's not the boundaries. It's the big divide, isn't it? It's just... It's, I think it's fantastic. I'm always bumping into people. Always. Especially down at the uh, the market. There's always people down there. Cheney's especially. The radio will be blaring out this morning. So strawberries should be the in thing. You should be getting, seriously, a bumper crop of strawberries in. They've said that uh, it's good strawberries. They reckon there's about £600 million worth of strawberries out there which are coming in. So there should be no excuse today. Paul Cooper will have... He will be overburdened with strawberries. And you should buy them. Because strawberries either with... I'll tell you what's delicious. I, I like strawberries either with condensed milk... Do you have that in Australia? Condensed milk? Evaporated milk? You have that in tins? Carnation? Something like that, is it? Probably have your own version. A bit difficult trying to talk to him at the moment. He's, uh... It's what, sorry? It's... He's, he's, yeah. 
Sometimes I can't understand a word. He, he, the, 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 earlier on, we were talking about something, uh, and he said, oh, the Sarvo, which is, luckily, I know that, because we used to have Australian management, and it means this afternoon. And obviously, they, they sort of abbreviate things down, so as opposed to saying, this afternoon, which is Terry Bridge, they go, uh, the Sarvo. And all their words meld into one, everything. The Sarvo, Lamington's, Barbie. It all just, it's one sentence. There's no exclamation marks, apostrophes, or anything like that. It's the Sarvo, Barbie, Lamington's. And that could be anything at all. It could be, I'm wearing a jumper today and going off to smoke a joint. It doesn't, you know, we don't know. We have no idea. But, <laughs> so, uh, so that, I like the three-day cruise down the Canal de Midi, which sounds lovely, doesn't it? I love that. I looked at a thing the other day. There was a house for sale. I wasn't going to buy it because I've seen a really nice one, but I haven't got the money for it at the moment. I'm hoping to win the lottery. And, um, and this one comes with a 31-foot barge included in the sale of the house. And I thought, oh, and it's a steel hull. So that, that's fairly good, isn't it? I quite fancied that idea. And I thought, in this weather, everybody will be taking to the river. But just remember, for those people who live and work on the, uh, the river, it's their, it's their lifeblood. Uh, some people, the day trippers, are the ones who go out and drink without realising that there is a very active police force on the River Thames. Very active. And if you stray into the wrong bit, there's a way of going up the right way, the speed limits. It's exactly the same as driving on the roads. And the people who live by the river get very annoyed when people boot it up there. And the police get you off the river very, very quickly. Uh, Alan says, buy some nasturtium seeds. Put a couple in each basket. Great display. You can eat the leaves and uh, the flowers. Leaves of peppery taste. I've eaten nasturtiums before, actually. Yes. Uh, quite, a, quite a number of times. <laughs> I quite like that idea. I think that's, uh, I think that's good. Uh, I'm listening to a show in Mykonos. Wow. Mykonos, that's a... Must be very dull in Mykonos at the moment if you're listening to this programme. I thought Mykonos was party party. Isn't that party? I think that there's a couple of LBC presenters go there for their own purposes. And um, it, doesn't, it doesn't really interest me. I've never fancied Mykonos. I always thought, it, A, it's way too expensive. It's a really expensive place. And where did somebody go the other day? And they said it was terribly, terribly expensive. And, gosh, what were we talking about? Oh, that's right. We were talking about Euro Disney. Sandwiches, £15. 15 euro. It's so expensive over there, so expensive. And going into the park is something like 60 quid each, I think, a day pass. So for two days, it's 120 pounds. It's terribly expensive. And there's nothing, it's in the middle of nowhere. But they have, at the end of, of the day at Disney, this fantastic parade and all projected onto the Magic Kingdom and firework. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Uh, have you ever thought about doing stand-up? One of these days I might do this programme, Standing Up. I'll tell you what I am doing at the moment. I'm, I'm currently in the process of getting uh, accreditation uh, because I'm doing something for the Queen's Garden Party. I know, you know, because I'm like in with the royal family. Well, I'm in with Her Majesty and Philip and Charles and people like that. Uh, Carla says, handsome is as handsome does. I don't know where that came. Is that Shakespeare or something? Handsome is as handsome does. Not you, me. Honestly, just like to jump on everybody's bandwagon. You know, oh, they must be talking about me. He's so vain. Seriously, I've, ne- I've never met an Australian who wasn't vain. So, you know, and the cross between Australian and Irish, even worse. They're so vain. He spends, I mean, he cannot walk past a window without, without catching a glimpse of himself. He, I've seen him doing it in the office when he sort of, and, and he sort of checks himself out every so often. How do I look? I'm looking pretty cool. Whereas, you know, I don't. That's not me. Uh, who's been offered two weeks? No, I'm not laying into you. I'm being nice to you. You, you want to hear it when I really lay into you. <laughs> You're never here for that bit. Um, <laughs> Steve, uh, you say that like £25 an hour is a lot. No, I don't think it's a lot at all. £25 an hour? Good God, no, definitely not. 
I don't think so. Not if you're doing bricklaying. I mean, I'd, you know, £25 an hour. £25 an hour? Would I work for 25 Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Definitely not. Definitely not. Right, let's go back. Uh, somebody says, all I liked on Britain's Got Talent was the band One Republic, who played in the results show. As I've not seen it, I can't, I can't comment. It doesn't normally stop me from, uh, from talking about things. But, uh, oh, I've lost myself again now. Oh, God, why do I keep losing stuff? Sometimes it just disappears. Let's see if that's come back again. Uh, no, it hasn't. Never mind. Never mind. The producer will have to come in and sort of sort this thing out. It's so. In- I, I just. I only have to push the wrong button on this plastic. Com- oh, I've now lost it completely. I'm not leaning on the keyboard. I'm not leaning on the keyboard. I always get blamed for leaning on the keyboard. I'm not leaning on it. I'm just trying to make it uh, make it better. Oh, now I've done it completely wrong. Sign into your account. No, I get James O'Brien again. Oh, dear Lord above. Actually, I could probably get into the into the G Connect. Somebody else has logged in with your user credentials. Don't care. Do it again. Oh, right. Found that back again. So that's good. I just can't find the other thing. So during the news, the producer will come in and fiddle about and do what he does. And we'll get it back. What do you mean, maybe? There's no maybe about it. You see, this is typical, isn't it? Five o'clock in the morning becomes a bit bolshy. A little bit bolshy. He's had his little bit of moment. You know, he's, he's been checking his emails and as usual. Nobody's writing to him. And so I have to bear the brunt of it. You know, I am the patsy. I do the fall down bit in the studio for him. Uh, So coming up after the news at five, uh, the bed and breakfast owner who refuses to allow gay couples to share a bed. You remember this court case? We've had a few of them recently where they said that uh, they opened up a bed and breakfast, but they didn't want gay couples there because they were Christian excluding the fact that there are lots and lots of gay Christians, depending on which way you want to interpret the Bible. And um, and so because he refused to allow gay couples to share a bed, uh, now he's been getting offensive emails from what he calls gay militants. Never too sure what a gay militant is. Uh, Vardy's mum and dad, the wedding snub. I like this one. They hate his uh, future wife to be that uh, not only a mum and dad boycotting it, but also the grandparents aren't going. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I, there may be trouble ahead on this one. And um, Harry turns up at the Chelsea Flower Show with his brother and his wife. So dull, so dull. On F. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Tuesday, the 24th of May. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. You're very welcome. Seriously, I don't, I don't care whether you're working, not working, half asleep. You know, just climbing into bed. It may, as long as you're there for the spike, that's all that matters to me. Uh, how much is too much drink? Paul McCartney said when the Beatles broke up, it actually drove him to drink. And many people take to drink now. Now they're saying that beer is good for you, which, of course, is a bit disappointing because I don't drink beer. And uh, the woman climber, in a bid to prove that vegans can do anything dies on Everest, proving that quite clearly they can't. It is just dangerous. I think she might be either the first or the second person to die this season on Everest. I mean, it's dangerous. If I, if I was anybody who was going to climb Everest, I'd take a helicopter to the top. Seriously, if I, if I was ever going to do it, and there'd be nothing under God's earth that would ever get me to climb a mountain or do anything that involved heights. I mean, looking down at some of these vertical things and people who fall into crevasses and all that kind of stuff, and you think, why do people climb mountains? You ask anybody who does it, and they'll say, because it's there. That's what they'll say. There's also another story which was very interesting, and it's about war graves on the sea being looted by salvage companies. They are bringing stuff up. These are, and the Ministry of Defence know all about this. They've known about it for years and they've done nothing about it. On land, we actually protect all our war graves. On the seas, there are companies coming out from Amsterdam and places like that who are salvaging wrecks 
their war graves. They're not supposed to be touched. They're, they're protected. And yet the, uh, the ministry do nothing about it. There was a, a piece of outrage in the paper saying, how are they allowed to do this? They brought up all sorts of things to sell. And they're not supposed to. Anyway, uh, all of that and uh, the troubled stats in the 999 scare. Uh, bringing back the elbow of Thomas a. Beckett, um, uh, the soldier who's a magician. He said, I'd love to win Britain's Got Talent, but I still want to serve. I mean, always best to have something. I've, I've just, I discovered actually a friend of mine the other day, or a person I'm aware of, uh, has just uh, given up his uh, job to be a full-time magician. And at the same time, he's developed an, um, uh, something in his hand, which means his hands can't stop shaking. So absolutely impossible to work as a magician like that, because people think you're just terribly nervous. And uh, you can get tablets, I think, to, to try and correct it. But it's a dreadful blow for him. Dreadful blow. Um, what else? Oh, we, oh, I got somebody who said that they bake lamingtons. Somebody said they bake lamingtons, which I thought was, thought was actually pretty cool. So let me find it. Who is it? Who's baking lamingtons? Somebody said, I got something from somebody. Wait a minute. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to find it. And it's, it's Dan who says that we bake lamingtons daily in store. I'm from Australia. They are the real thing. And he says, you can well, we recommend it. We're not too far from Chelmsford, that the you can bake well. You... Essex, yeah. I'll produce it. It's going to be one of his fits again. It's in Essex, he goes. Well done, you, you know. And it's the, it's the you can bake well. Y-I-U-can-bakewell.co.uk. So they bake lamingtons daily in this country. That cool. There you go. He's, he's, he said, uh, good day, Dan. You know, that's obviously how they converse with each other. Either that or they wave or something. I don't know. <laughs> so that's good, isn't it? Perhaps he could send us pictures. But he's, he's, he's put his website up there for you, so you can have a check on that. He's going to be checking that uh, later on. My strawberry plant, says Maggie, have lovely big fruits on green at the moment. But a few sunny days and I'll be enjoying them. Yeah, more and more people are growing strawberries in baskets. And it is possible to grow them in hanging baskets. Uh, together with uh, tomatoes. You can do tomatoes in hanging baskets as well, uh, which, is, which is lovely. Uh, another one here says Noreen, who has never eaten a pork pie. Yeah, all right, just, just hold it back. So at the moment you said that, you went, yeah, like, you know, I'm not the only person in the world. But uh, we had a Mark Skinny Berg yesterday, very nice. Loves sushi, she says. Oh, dear. I can't do sushi. sushi. She says, I'm now addicted to four in a bed. I can't believe how they search the room for dirt. Don't have you seen Four in a Bed? That really is. It's one of my favourite programmes. It's it's so much better than uh, Come Dine with Me or Celebrity Come Dine with Me because basically there aren't any more celebrities around, uh, and so you have to sort of find non-entity celebrities, which of course is much easier to find, seeing as we have so many of these dreary reality shows. Uh, the weather for today. Here you go. This is what you're going to be uh, basing today on. Even though yesterday they said it was going to rain, I never had any rain. Bright but chilly start. Sunny spells. Cloud increasing this afternoon. Uh, the high today is 18 degrees. 18 degrees. Wednesday, cloudy. Odd spot of rain possible. Most parts staying dry. Some brighter spells possible during the afternoon, particularly in the south and the west. 16 degrees. And then the rest of the week, it's variable cloud and a bit of sunshine and stuff like that. doesn't really matter, though, does it? It's, I, seriously, I think, listen, life is, is, is what you make it. I get very excited if I have a day off, if I don't have any interviews to do. And I think, yeah, I can, I can go home and do all my, sort of, my little bits and pieces. Like the VAT. I really must do the VAT today. I can, I've got to do it today. There is just no two ways that I can leave it. Uh, Sarah says, I'm usually on the tram at this hour, but it's my day off. I'm having you in bed this morning, and uh, I have to listen to your show. I have to listen to the show. Well, I mean, I, I get people like that all the time. 
In fact, they get withdrawal symptoms. I got a load of cards in, actually, which was really sweet. A load of cards uh, from people saying congratulations on the uh, the award. So I'll, I'll go through those a bit later. But thank you very much indeed. That's very much uh, very much appreciated. Uh, front pages. What should we? What do you want to pick on first? Do you want to pick? A, should we pick on the uh, the mirror today? Eat fat and lose weight. They've said. Uh, also, teen sisters ordeal. Two sisters bravely battled in vain to stop a pet dog. Quite clearly, not a pet dog. Mauling their father to death. Stephen Hodgson's throat was torn open by the pit bull cross. Dear God in heaven! I mean, you can't imagine how horrendous that must have been. But as I've said before. You know, is there something that, you know, people mess about with these dogs? And they're powerful. They're very, very powerful. You see them, you look at them, they're all muscle. This bloke had, we think, three. He was called Buster. He quite clearly was not trained or anything at all. And so they tried desperately to drag him. But once these dogs get their their teeth into something, that's, I mean, I just, I can't even think of anything more horrendous. I seriously can't think of anything more horrendous. And uh, the two teenage daughters revealed they desperately tried to pull the dog off after it clamped its jaws around its neck, for their brave efforts were in vain as the dog refused to let go of its fatal grip and his jugular vein was believed to have been ruptured. Stephen suffered a cardiac arrest, possibly brought on by massive blood loss from the devastating mauling. After the attack, Buster was still so crazed, police officers had to taser him before a vet could move in and destroy him. You see, it's a shame, really, isn't it? Because this is a dog that gets destroyed. Like the other day, the bloke who climbed into the lion enclosure, he deliberately broke in. He's quite clearly got some sort of mental illness because he was reciting passages from the Bible and Jesus, took all his clothes off and started taunting the lions. And they ignored him to start with, as they would, because they, they try not to expend too much energy, lions. They spend 16 hours a day sleeping. And eventually he taunted them so much that they launched an attack on him. And they've got various pictures. People were filming it. People were filming it. I mean, it must have been horrendous. This must have been even more horrendous. But again, you know, you've got to look at the animal's behaviour. This quite clearly was not a trained animal. It certainly wasn't the family pet, as they try and make out. It can't have been. This thing was a killer dog. It was not trained at all. Normally you go, sit, they sit. Lie down, they lie down. But some of these people have these dogs, and it's just, you know, they just have to have to stop people having them. They've just got to stop people having these dogs. It's just too risky. They have to watch their father being ripped apart by a dog that has no... You could beat it around the head. It just clings on more determinedly. That's the sort of dogs they are. They've got to be trained properly. Really, really bad. Uh, I was wrong about Everest. It's the third death in three days. Three people have died. Now, if you look at Everest... And from a distance, I mean, it looks mad- majestic and it looks fantastic. And you think, why would you want to go and climb it? Why would you not? This, this is what I would like to do. Take a helicopter, go all the way up to the top of Everest, hover over the top. I'll go down on a ladder on the top of Everest. I'll plant a little flag. Steve Allen, LBC, early breakfast, 4 a.m. spike. And then climb back up the ladder again. And that would, that would be the way I'd do it. But I'd make sure I had a safety harness on. In case I got blown off the top. Because I don't know how big the platform is at the top of the mountain. I don't know if it's just a spike. And then you get there and go, dear God, we've got to go back down again. You know, because you've climbed it and it's there's wind and, and people can't breathe up there. And it's, it's really difficult. You know, you've got to be super fit. And this girl was doing it to prove that vegans can do everything everybody else can. Well, of course, it doesn't matter whether you're a vegan. Everest can still claim you. The winds can come in. The temperatures can drop. It's icy cold. The conditions are... Uh, are not great, but still people want to climb it. It's there. They want to do things like that. Me, I couldn't care less. I don't mind watching somebody else climbing it, but even then I'm not uh, I'm not particularly bothered either way. 
So I kind of leave stuff like that a lot easier, I think, a lot easier. But uh, sadly, she lost her, her life on it, so didn't actually prove anything at all. Uh, the eye secretary says I'm part of the four o'clock club. I like four o'clock club. Apparently, it's a Tolkien quote. The Tolkien quote, handsome is as handsome does. I've never seen... Is, is that The Hobbit, Tolkien? Is that The Hobbit or something like that? I've never seen that. I've never watched that. I haven't done anything like that. What did I watch on DVD? I watched something on DVD yesterday. It was obviously something particularly basic and immature because that's the sort of films I like. I don't want anything that I have to concentrate on. If it's something that I have to concentrate on, I don't bother with it. You know, if it gets too complicated in a Bond film, I turn it off. You know, I like something nice and simple, explosions, bang, bang, goodies, baddies, and that's it. I can't even watch cowboy films now. I cannot watch cowboy and Indian films. They just they just don't do it for me. John Wayne, not really. Not really. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, there's also... Uh, I'm trying to find some... There's some very awful stories. But yesterday, Sir Paul McCartney talked about his life and music. And uh, he's still going. He's still going at the age of 70-plus. Uh, and there were all sorts of people there taking part in this sort of question and, uh, and answer things. And uh, they had uh, people like Noel Gallagher... The question was, I was out with two of your wonderful daughters, Stella and Mary, and I told them I was coming today, and they asked if I was going to ask a question, but I didn't have anything to ask. So on behalf of Stella and Mary, out of the two of them, which is your favourite? And uh, and that's the best that poor old dreary Noel Gallagher could come up with. He couldn't ask somebody who's been so phenomenally successful in the music anything at all. How dull was Noel Gallagher? Perhaps he thought he was being funny, as opposed to being immensely thick. Well, Simon Pegg says songwriting is a very personal... Uh, thing and you strike me as a private man. Do you ever feel there's a challenge about giving too much away? And uh, I'm not going to read you his answers. You have to buy the uh, papers so you can read the answers. Uh, there's also uh, flip flops suit the modern office. This is not the flip flops that you think of. Three quarters of workers think a, s- a shirt and tie is too formal for the workplace. Even bankers agreed, though in smaller numbers. Workplace firm, what's it found? Two thirds of staff said that jeans were fine as office wear, but many would draw the line at tracksuits. Yes, I mean, tracksuits and flip-flops. Do you have tracksuits? Do you own a tracksuit? Do you? You don't own a tracksuit. It does not, not suit you at all. You obviously tried them on, I can tell, over the years. And if you obviously thought, I just... We've never had a tracksuit. OK, right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I have had tracksuits in the past, but I wouldn't... I'd never wear it out. Absolutely not. I think it's, it's absolutely the worst you could put... Unless you're going to a, a sports college or something like that, in which case then you can wear either shorts... Yeah, people wear them to the shops. I saw a woman the other day, and she was going into Costco, and she had the complete, the complete chav outfit on, which was the tracksuit bottoms in extra large, the tracksuit top in even bigger, hair scraped back for the Croydon facelift, and the pink G-string showing at the back, which was somewhat faded and dirty. And on top of that, she had, I think it was flip-flops on or something. It was a real awful outfit. Whichever way you look at it, it was a ghastly outfit. I think there's... I mean, I'm not saying you have to dress up to go to work, but look smart. I always put a smart shirt on every day. It's always ironed. I always think I look, uh, you know, reasonably good. And, uh, well, I think that anyway. I think that. I never, so, Steve, a helicopter wouldn't make it to the top of Everest. The air's too thin. You'd have to climb the last 10,000 feet. You'd have to carry that LBC flag via Sherpas, says Steve in France. <laughs> I'm not going then. I'm not going. Cancel it out. I'll do something else. I'm, yeah, and somebody else has said it's too thin up there for a helicopter. Well, I'll just have to. Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Rob says, Steve, what did the man do to the dog to make it behave in this way? 99% of the time, the problem is the owner. I don't know. I wasn't there. I mean, for, for a dog to attack. If this was supposedly, in inverted commas, the family pet, 
then fair enough. But, you know, for a dog to go for your throat, is that somebody taunting it, putting it on its back, putting it in a... I don't know. It certainly wasn't trained, though, that's a fact. LBC uh, now, it's 16 past five. At breakfast, every weekday morning from seven, only on LBC. Nick Ferrari at breakfast as George Osborne claims a Brexit could hit the lowest earners the hardest. We'll visit some of the most deprived areas of the UK to get voters' reaction. We'll hear your stories of misdiagnosis on the NHS, and I'm sure there'll be loads, after a man died of pancreatic cancer following the hospital ignoring a diagnosis from a previous referral. And they'll be speaking to the owner of a cat which went missing in South Devon nine years ago, since turned up in Glasgow. Looking at the papers today, news broadcaster Emma Crosby will be reviewing the papers with Nick. That's right after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Steve Allen's early breakfast, 21 minutes past five. Doesn't matter, you have a nice lazy day today. The weather, mm, so, 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 so. Six years for the curry nut killer. And uh, this is a reckless Indian restaurant owner who killed a customer by serving him with a takeaway curry containing peanuts. And it specifically says on the bill, no nuts. No nuts. It could not be clearer. Mohammed Zaman was sentenced to six years for gross negligence over the death of Paul Wilson, who suffered from an allergy. Paul was meticulous about his condition and had specifically requested no nuts with his meal. But staff cooked his chicken tikka masala takeaway with a ground nut mix, which contained peanuts. And he died from an anaphylactic shock after only a few mouthfuls. That's how quick it can happen. Literally, a few mouthfuls, gone. That's how fast. These people carry pens and things like this. And he'd specifically said no nuts, and they deliberately ignored it. Deliberately ignored it. The jury heard how Zaman swapped almond powder in recipes for a cheaper groundnut mix, despite warnings. He owned six restaurants and once built up a £2 million business empire but was almost 300000 in debt and cut costs by using cheaper ingredients and employing untrained illegal workers. In other words, he's the tip of the iceberg. There must be hundreds like him out there cutting corners. When you become ill, you're not too sure. Perhaps you weren't as allergic to nuts as this particular poor father was. And uh, so Paul died having bought the meal at the Indian Garden in Easingwold in North Yorkshire, three weeks after a teenage customer at another of Mr Zaman's restaurants suffered an allergic reaction which required hospital treatment. The judge said that uh, Mr Zaman just ignored warnings. But all you get for somebody dying through, through your negligence is six years. I'd make it 56 years. I'm sorry. How can you ever... You know, how can you ever compensate that family for the fact that this piece of vermin here was having restaurants where he was cutting corners and didn't really care if somebody died? In fact, he really couldn't give a toss about it. Let's hope your business collapses. Let's hope your business collapses. Because you cut corners like that. And somebody else had also been ill. He was in debt and everything else. Good. Let's hope they collapse. Let's hope they collapse. Uh, Lenny Henry. Sir Lenny Henry has done, uh, done an about-turn deal, which I don't have a problem with at all. Uh, originally, he was complaining about Broadchurch, and he was saying that Broadchurch, there aren't many black actors in there. And he's right, because... And the reason it is, I think that Broadchurch is set in a particular time period, isn't it? Isn't it set in the 50s? Is it, I, I really don't know. I'm not too sure. But whatever it is, there wouldn't have been black people in this village. But what we have to do now, we have to be PC... So you've got to put black people in where normally there wouldn't be black people in there. I can remember the show 42nd Street years ago at the uh, 
at the Theatre Royal Drury Lane. And they only had one black girl in the chorus because there wouldn't have been any black girls in the choruses of these shows in, in the year it was set. In modern times, of course, then, then it, it would be completely different. Completely different. I went to see Mrs Henderson Presents. I don't think there are any black girls at the Windmill Theatre and they haven't, they haven't got any. I don't think they've got I'm trying to think back, actually. There was, there was a bit of nudity on the stage. There were people taking their clothes off. And uh, very brave. It's different doing it in, in a, in a, in a, in a theatre setting where you're part of a tableau. But to be an actress on a stage, you know, different doing nudity in films uh, to doing nudity. And at one point she comes right down to the front and she's giving this talk to us, the audience, make-believing that we're the windmill audience. And then suddenly realise that she's start naked and goes, oh, and covers her, her boobies up and things like that. But Because uh, there are a lot of boobs on display in this... Uh, uh, th- I think there are still some seats left, uh, Mike, if you want to go, you know. I'm sure we can probably get you in there, squeeze you in. <laughs> not, it's probably not his sort of... He wouldn't understand what the Windmill Theatre was. It's sort of... Because I don't think they had stuff like that in Australia. Did you have nude shows? Oh, you had Puppetry of the Penis, didn't you, in, in Australia? That was... You didn't know? You didn't see that one? Oh, right. That was very... Po- that came over here. That was all Australians. Australian. You've got the Sydney Opera House. Yeah, that's very good. Do they have nudity there? You don't know. He doesn't really get out very much indeed. He sort of he watches, uh, you know, Netflix. He's got, you know, a few sort of films that he likes watching on there. What was the last film you saw? Have you seen anything decent recently? Have you seen a, seen a good film? Or have you seen Star Wars? Wow. Dun, 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 dun. You like that? Right. Uh, wow. Good, good stuff. He likes like those, those, those sci-fi things. Whereas I, I turned off the Star Wars film after about five minutes. It was the most boring thing I'd ever seen. I prefer the originals. They, they now become a little bit meaningful, don't they? Uh, Robert says, do you remember Tony Lamb? No. I don't. And uh, no, I don't, actually. I don't remember anybody from uh, from UB days. I really don't. Uh, everybody telling me about the nice idea of getting the helicopter to the top of Everest, but there's uh, there's there's no chance of it going here. The air is too thin. And Julie says, talking pork pies, have you tried the ones that come with Branston pickle on them? They used to do Branston pickle in them. Now they do it on them. And uh, it's it's actually <laughs> they're actually quite nice. But the trouble is you've got to tell the staff, don't, don't turn them sideways. You've got to put them flat because the Branston pickle will fall off. Uh, Mary says, when you drop down to Everest from your helicopter, which, of course, isn't going to happen now, uh, do wear an oxygen mask. You'll pass out otherwise. <laughs> a lot of people suggesting that maybe we could scaffold it and we could climb up the scaffolding, which is, uh, which is a nice idea. Uh, Mount Pleasant, says Ian, is so much easier and it's only up the road. I don't think I could, I'd, I could ever climb a mountain. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not fit enough to do anything like that. I keep seeing people going canoeing and I thought, what, I wanted to go canoeing. And I, no, not really. I think I'm past it. It's like climbing a tree. About 15 years ago, I thought, I'll climb a tree. Because when I was younger, we used to climb trees. And and I couldn't even get onto the first branch. And when I did eventually manage to hoist myself up on there, I got so frightened. I, they nearly called the fire brigade to get me back down again. Uh, Steve, it's only been done. Sorry to be picky, but it's been done uh, 29,305 feet to the top of Mount Everest. Accomplished by a Eurocopter test pilot. In 2005, I've always wanted to do it. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, my God, Steve. Shirt and tie, says Ben. Too formal. In some jobs, it's good to make an impression. Yes, I mean, I would think if somebody was wearing a, a shirt and tie, you would, you would respect them a bit more, wouldn't you? I, my, my boss, I don't, I've only ever seen him twice in a pair of jeans. The rest of the time, he's in a suit. A suit, you know, shirt. Not always a tie. In fact, quite a lot of the time, not a tie. But uh, that's but people you get used to seeing in suits, whereas he, he doesn't see me in suits. 
Because I don't really wear... I don't need to wear suits when I do. I'm a radio presenter. Well, that's what it says on the, uh, on the passport. Steve, I saw Tootsie again last weekend on television. Can't believe it was 35 years ago. I thought it was good. I thought it was a good little film. It's, it's the old... Um, it's the old adage of sort of straight man, fancying woman, dressing up as woman, gets job. Nobody realises it's a bloke. And... Um, and becomes very successful on television. It's it's a bit of a fantasy story for a lot of people, but still quite interesting. And Dustin Hoffman dressed up, um, and so it's it's a case of you know, do I like those sort of films? Yes, but I've seen it before. I've seen it before. Uh, Paul says political correctness a load of old codswallop. It makes me angry. They have agencies only recruiting ethnic minorities. If you're white British, you can't apply. Oh no, the BBC are very good at sort of employing. In fact, they have a policy. They just simply employ people from from ethnic minorities to make up the quotas because at one time the BBC was very white. Still fairly white at the moment, isn't it? And then they just put people in there, I think, for the sake of putting them in. And I think the first place that started putting them in was uh, was Children's BBC. They started popping people in there just because they had to sort of make up the amount of people. And uh, and I suppose, really, once you've got one black person, one Asian person, one Chinese person, then you've got to have one gay person, one lesbian, then you've got to have uh, somebody who's probably transgender, and then you've got to have somebody who's disabled, then you've got to have somebody who's uh, quadriplegic or somebody... You know, you've got to have all, all sorts of people, and the whole thing becomes a bit too diverse. And then you've got to have people... Everybody's got to have a voice. Everybody's, everybody's got to be able to say something. You know, it can't be too long before we have a blind cameraman. And the reason, you know, we'd have to have one is because they go, well, we haven't got any up until now, let's have one. I always thought there was one, actually, at the BBC. I'm sure that somebody said to me that they were training somebody because they went, you can't exclude somebody just because they're blind. I thought, slightly difficult, isn't it, really? It's like a, a photographer. You can't have a blind photographer. That would be a bit silly because you've got to pose portraits. How would you know what somebody was looking like? You wouldn't. You might know where they were sitting, but that would be as far as it went. So uh, sometimes it can go a little bit too far. Sometimes just putting people on television for the sake of putting people on television is sometimes the wrong answer. Um, here we go. Oh, there's a Doctor Who cookbook coming out with 40 recipes. And um, <laughs> I quite like the idea. I quite like the idea of having a Doctor Who recipe book. But it's the BBC cashing in and trying to make as much money out of cookery programmes as they possibly can. Davina McCall was spotted recently in a pizza restaurant uh, in the middle of Manchester and eating a, a spot of pizza. I bet she worked it off with one of her DVDs. And just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, uh, poor old John Prescott... I mean, honestly, when he turned up on Mr and Mrs, I was shouting things at the television. And now he's going to be on a, a new series for the Travel Channel called Stars in Their Cars, hosted by Paddy McGuinness and uh, dreary old John Prescott, who must be about 190 by now, is going to be on there talking about, what, what do you think? Jaguars. He's always been known as Two Jags. I don't know why these people seem to think they've got some sort of personality. I didn't think John Prescott have had any personality at all. LBC News Time, 5.30. Latest headlines for you this morning, Rupert Bartia. Leading Britain's conversation, LBC, with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. It's Tuesday. I'm only laughing. I'm not laughing at you, I promise you. Well, some of you I am. And uh, it's a lady, and she decides she wants to get two pillows. And uh, she wanted... Her name's Yasmin. She wanted them for, for her bed. And they're lovely pillows. I mean, they really are lovely. She saw a picture of them. Uh, they're four pounds a pair. She wanted them for the bed. So she, she ordered, she thought they were fairly cheap, actually. She found them on eBay and thought £4 for these beautiful pillows is lovely. And she thought they'd, they'd really go well on the bed and they were like a damask, silvery sort of thing. When they arrived, they were, um, <laughs> they were for a doll's house. 
They were pillows for a doll's house, and they measured about, I think, three inches by an inch and a half. <laughs> so they fitted in a little jiffy bag, and so she took them out, and uh, and she went, what's that? And they went, well, they're for doll's houses. I mean, what do you think? Four quid for a pair of damask. Don't be so silly. And so she's got them, and so she tweeted them on Facebook, and it went viral. More than 100,000 likes. She said, it's gone crazy. People in America have been stealing my pictures and passing them off as their own. All my mates were taking selfies with the pillows. I, I've had people messaging me, asking if they can buy them, but I'm keeping them now. They're famous. They're sitting proudly on top of my cabinet. They look quite cute, actually. I always wanted a doll's house. I don't know what that says about me, but I've always... What? I mean, that's got, you know, what are you saying? Stereotypical boys have to play with butch trucks and stuff like that. No, no, no. I could have had a doll's house. But when I, when I say a doll's house, I mean a big one that the whole front opens up, double-fronted, electric, running water in the bathrooms. And, um, yeah, you can buy these things now. Doll's houses, proper doll's houses, they're not meant for children. They're meant for adults. And you buy their furniture. There's a place in Epping, it's a charity shop. They sell big doll's houses, which you can paint yourself or buy them painted up, and then you pull open the double front, and they've got electric in there, and bathrooms, and wallpaper, and little books, and, oh, you can go mad for this sort of stuff. And I thought that'd be quite a nice idea. Provided it was in sort of scale, I would uh, I would go for it. Uh, what else we got here? Oh, there's um, a man. This is uh, Aidan Thompson. Aidan Thompson uh, went to Manchester's Arndale Centre, and... Um, a security guard spotted him, and he's, um, he's a married man, but he was caught stalking a 17-year-old for 40 minutes while filming her on a hidden camera in his bag. And a security guard spotted him. They found recordings at his home of uh, four other victims. He was jailed for 14 months after admitting misconduct in a public place. He's currently suspended from duty. He's a, he's a policeman. He's a policeman. He's a police officer. I mean, you would have thought, I mean, I don't know, perhaps the vetting system isn't as good as it was supposed to be. So you've got him. He's, a, he's now a pervert. I mean, I shouldn't imagine he'll, he'll get his job back. He won't. He'll, he's currently suspended. He will be sacked. And so he's married. I don't know if he's got any children. And he was filming girls. Um, and you think, but you're a police officer. Why would you, why would you do that? Are you not supposed to be? I always imagine, you see, perhaps I'm naive. I always imagine that police officers are, are a little bit better than us. A little bit, you know. But when you do read some of these stories, you think they're not doing themselves any favour, are they, at all? Which is terrible. Uh, Britain's Got Talent's first semi-final. Blasted for showing more adverts than actual talent. And uh, Simon Cowell admits, but of course, that's how ITV make their money. They make their money with the adverts. The more popular the programme is, the more adverts you're going to get. It's the simple, hard and fast fact. We are a commercial radio station. We have to have advertisement breaks, advertisement breaks, because that's what pays the rent. And the more successful the programme is, the more commercials you'll hear on a programme. And that's how it works. If sometimes, you know, you only hear one or two programmes during a programme on the television, you know it's not doing particularly well in the ratings. If it's doing well in the ratings, like if they do it in America, then they'll have... Hundreds of ads running through, and people will pay a fortune. During the Super Bowl, I think an ad break can cost one company over a million dollars. Easy. Because there's so many millions of people. Millions of people who are sort of watching it. Uh, Ali Ross talking about uh, television. Uh, great lies and delusions. Rylan Clark. Who? Yes, still there. Good news, I've still got my own show. This morning, Abby Clancy is a woman of many talents. I'd actually settle for one. And uh, Lorraine Kelly to Fern McCann. One day you're going to have that Oscar in your hand. Yep, 
just as soon as he's out of that South African prison. There's no chance. I mean, it really is pathetic. Did you see what poor old Fern McCann was wearing the other day? Well, in case of what she wasn't wearing, she was going to her book launch, her autobiography. Fern McCann is 12. You know, why on earth would anybody be remotely interested in buying an autobiography from somebody who hasn't even lived? I mean, she can barely speak, let alone living. Uh, also, we got uh, Britain's Got Talent, uh, the semi-final, and uh, it, it, it's sort of it's quite nice. There's uh, somebody. Uh, we've had some bad singing, Welsh ballroom dancing, uh, total TXS, and I think we all know what they uh, stand for. A camp OTT nuisance called Richard Baton, and a misfiring crossbow roulette stunt that didn't kill anything apart from Ben Black's career. Uh, the real awful thing was uh, Darren Altman, who promised us things you've never seen before and was good to his word, which is what we like, actually. And um, <laughs> television's first ever Brendan from Coach Trip impression, the show's first ever nervous breakdown and the first ever funny response from Amanda Holden, even if it was unintentional. I think she thought the people at home probably knew who they were. Not a clue, to be honest, Amanda, but I like him a lot as a person. Uh, what else do we have here? We had uh, random TV irritations. Google Box asking us to believe the regulars all just happen to be watching the BH, the, 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 the bottom thing, uh, on Countdown. But of course, you know how Google Box works. They give them, they're watching a DVD of a programme. They're not, they're not watching it live at all. Who's the fat bird who's sitting on the couch? She's dreadful. Dreadful. Awful people in there. Very irritating. Very, very irritating. And uh, unfinished boast of the week. This morning's Fern McCann again, I'm afraid. I can't tell you too much about my Hollywood film, but if you stay tuned, then I guarantee it won't show up on your hotel bill. Uh, because there's no chance she's going to be going to Hollywood and making a film. I mean, she can barely speak. You'd have to put subtitles on. Nobody around the world would understand her. So, again, just a load of old baloney, a load of old pie in the sky. The only film she's going to be making is going to be shown in one of those awful cinemas that uh, sort of are all around Times Square. Broadchurch is set in present day. It is too white. Uh, I don't think it's politically correct to think that TV should represent the population and having an entirely white town isn't very realistic in modern Britain. Well, you see, I thought it was set, I thought it was, uh, set in a different period. Or, or was that Midsummer Murders? <laughs> so many murder programmes, aren't there? And, uh, Steve, there is a good reason for having multi-race people and disabled people on television, says James the Milkman. Especially uh, TV, kids' TV. When we were kids, we stared at a disabled person, but now kids see them every day. Do they? I don't see disabled people every day. Do you really? Good Lord. And um, another one here. I watched Interstellar the other day, and I'm still thinking about it in the concept of the other world they showed in the film, says Haddy. I don't even know what that is, actually, so I've, I've got no idea. I don't, I don't really get out much. I really, uh, you know. Uh, another one here, 84850, steve at uk. Try and weave uh, everything in as quickly as possible. And uh, this one... Says uh, one here from K. I don't know who K is. Might be male or female. Says no black folks in small villages in the fifties. I thought this was the forties. Were there in little villages in England? I don't think there were in the forties. I don't think so. Says you need to read up on your history. Queen Elizabeth the first commented on the blacks in London. Too many, really. I don't have thought so. I don't remember that at all. My job wasn't around in the uh, in the forties. Uh, but I, th- I thought that I, I didn't. I, I obviously got confused with Broadchurch. And with all of these other Midsummer Murders and these sort of programmes, which seem to be period set. 
But anyway, Lenny Henry's... One of the, the, the shortfall is Lenny Henry, Henry is, is going into it. And, uh, and that will then redress the balance. Will redress the balance. Uh, Olympics sold. It's very boring, Rebecca Adlington. She obviously loves the publicity, but doesn't actually appear to be doing anything. So she's split up with her husband. And uh, so she's uh, been gushing over her domestic setup with Harry Needs. Um, I don't know who Harry Needs is, actually. Oh, that's the ex-husband, isn't it, really? They split in March after she's said to have grown close to Dean Kane. Oh, dear, I do hope not. Rebecca, mum to daughter Summer. Summer Adlington. Oh, well. Uh, says, we're still friends. It's nice to see she gets to see her parents all the time. And they're going to sell the four-bed home in Cheshire for about 500000 And uh, if she likes living with Harry, said somebody, why is she selling? It's a bit of a mystery. It is a mystery, but there again, everything Rebecca Adlington does is a bit of a mystery. I thought the Dean Cain, you know, linkage was a little bit, a little bit naughty, a little bit naughty. Uh, And the Royals turned up uh, to go to, oh, what are we doing here? Wait a minute, I'll just have a check. Uh, Yeah, the Royals turned up to the, uh, the Chelsea... Uh, Chelsea Garden Show, which everybody loves. Queen Elizabeth, uh, she always looks lovely there. Uh, David Walliams took his mother because there is no girlfriend in his life at the moment. And Alan Titchmarsh and Peter Seabrook was there. Plus, it's marvellous because here's, uh, here's Wills and his wife. And, oh, there's dreary old Harry behind again. He must be looking like the spare part. Is there any truth in the rumour the Queen is sending Harry for elocution lessons? I think we should be told. That's been hinted in the paper. And if you've seen the programme, The Windsors, Harry is the the one who who just can't read or do anything else. So he's slightly remedial in it. But again, it's his brother. He must be going, Harry, why don't you go off and play somewhere else? Why don't you go find something else to do? Okay, don't hang around with us. And then um, uh, Peter Seabrook was talking to Princesses Eugenie and Beatrice. They were there, old Eugenie. They turn up. What do, you think they, do you think they've ever done gardening? Of course they haven't. Do you think Harry's ever done gardening? I shouldn't think so. Do you think William and Kate have ever done it? Kate might have done, but I shouldn't imagine William's ever done anything at all. And what Harry's doing there, it's, it's a mystery to everybody. A total mystery. No excuses now. Uh, you've got to get yourself healthy, says Vicky Patterson. Yeah, whatever, dear. And it's, it's something to do with Super Summer Body Guide. I'll give it to the producer and let him sort of wander through it so he can sort of have that body to die for on the beach. Uh, first of all, you've got to eat three meals a day from her lifestyle plan. Uh, bearing in mind, she's being paid a huge amount of money for this, for flogging something. In a few years' time, she'll be as big as a whale. Uh, breakfast is poached egg on rye toast. How boring. Uh, lunch, homemade coronation chicken in chicory leaves. Dullsville. Uh, dinner, orange and mustard trout fillet. You can see a lot of people on sink estates in Newcastle going for that one today, can't you? Hey, uh, why well, ain't when you don't uh, chip me? Can you get us some trout fillet? It's uh, Vicky Pattinson's. And then uh, what do you have to do? You have to do exercises. Well, most people get down on the floor. They can't get themselves back up again, can they? There's no point. So we'll leave that one to one side. It's for people who want to go on the beach and, uh, and have a beach body. And it's fantastic, but to be honest with you, it's a bit short-lived, OK? A diet is not just for losing the weight, it's for the rest of your life. And I'm sorry, I cannot see a life without Kentucky Fried Chicken, halal or otherwise, and chips and fish every so often, and burgers with cheese inside there, and, and crispy chips on the outside, and maybe some lamingtons. Oh, God, obviously a diet's not for me, but who cares? Got to die sometimes, I suppose. 14 to 6. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, you're pretty nice to have your company. Uh, the BBC says Des is awash with black and ethnic reporters and presenters. Bearing in mind Britain, he says, is 86% white 
Uh, what's the big problem? There's too much tokenism going on at the Beeb. But I think that I thought the edict came down ages ago. The BBC was terribly white. It's only in recent years that they've started using lots and lots of different people. But I think it was just a case if they had to. If you look at the lineup of the bakery, they seem to have picked gay, lesbian, you know, black, ethnic. There's all sorts of things. They, they've sort of covered everything in case somebody goes, excuse me, we don't have many Chinese cooking on here. So they have to start putting it all in. They have to be seen to be being sort of politically correct. He says, you became a radio presenter because you're good. No, I didn't become a good radio presenter. I became a good radio presenter. But it's got nothing to do with colour. I mean, I wouldn't know what colour people were. When you listen to somebody on the radio, you've got no idea, have you, really? Unless you look at somebody's picture, you go, oh. I mean, I've heard people before I thought were black on the radio. They turn out to be white, which is very odd. You hear, I mean, I was watching that. There were two kids on The X Factor and... Um, one of these kids was singing about bullying at school, and it was a rap song. I think they then released it as a song. You must remember, they would, one was a little kid and one was slightly taller, and uh, he did this thing. But he was talking like he was Jamaican. Yeah, because I just want to say, Alicia, that I think you're really wicked and all this. And he talks like this. It is a little child. And I thought to myself, where's this come from, this sort of, this sort of odd thing? It was like the bloke, wasn't it, out of that group who uh, who started speaking practically patois, which was very odd, I think. Very odd. Uh, one person here says, I lived in a village outside Watford in the early 70s. We only had one black family then. But, uh, see, that, that was the 70s. I'm, I'm, I'm going back to the 40s. So when they show a, a 40s programme, Lenny Henry was quite right. You know, you don't see many black faces, mainly because I don't think there are that many black actors. It's got to be the right person, hasn't it? can't just put somebody in there just because of their ethnicity or because they're gay or they're lesbian or they're straight or transgender. It doesn't make any difference. Because otherwise, I mean, if you look through, through Coronation Street, it's fairly white up there. It's fairly white in Manchester. It's, it's not like watching EastEnders at all. And um, another one here. Try and get through as many of these as we can this morning. 84850, Steve at LBC. Dot, so I've lost it. Uh, .co.uk. I've just learned about t- if I tap the screen, all of a sudden, it, uh, the, the little mouse comes back again. Uh, Steve, have you seen boring Victoria Beckham in her pants? Yeah. There's never a day goes by, actually. There is, there is never a day goes by where we don't get um, a story about the Beckhams. Seriously, I mean, it, it is on a daily basis. We get Yesterday, we had five stories about the Beckhams. I didn't think it was possible. But uh, I've just had to Google Fern McCann, Steve. She can't speak properly. No, well, what they do on this morning is they, they sort of put they sort of put the lame ones in there, the ones who are sort of the no-hopers, and they let them basically dig themselves a grave by themselves. And so she's been on the television in TOWIE, didn't make much of an impression on there, and so then they sort of try with something else, and that didn't work out. Then they try with something else, and that didn't work out. And... Um, and and so you sort of think, what do we do with them? And then they, so they always pick people who are the irritants. So on the, on this morning, they'll they'll pad it out with any old flotsam and jetsam. And so you'll have a little bit of Rylan. Strangely enough, the bizarre column in the Sun, the second bit of it, where they make poor little Dan Wooten attempt to do something apart from just do press releases. And uh, he seems to think that uh, Rylan has proved himself as a genuine presenting talent. Only going to prove Dan Wooten must be angling for a slot on the show or something like that. Because uh, poor old Dan Wooten's uh, not gone anywhere apart from with Lorraine Kelly. They don't use him, but they use him a couple of times for talking heads. But, uh, you know, if you seriously think that Rylan is a genuine presenting talent, I think you need to go back to Australia or wherever he came from as quickly as possible. Because he's dreadfully can't interview for Toffee. Can't interview for toffees. Possibly the worst thing on the television. And the guests are the worst you've ever seen. Uh, Steve says, Lee, listen to yesterday's show on the podcast. Woke up early this morning. Got you on again. I'm listening to you more than the wife these days. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's probably a very good joke 
there somewhere. Uh, Harry going to elocution lessons. Wouldn't surprise me. On a recent show, he sounded quite common. I don't know, actually. I don't... I mean, I've... I've, To be honest with you, I only heard a couple of things. I think he's enjoying the sort of the publicity of being a celebrity because it makes him feel as though he's... uh, um, you know, tried to actually get uh, get somewhere. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, to be honest with you, I think that's what it is. Uh, another one here. Broadchurch is set in present day, says somebody else. Uh, you see, I, I don't think I've ever seen Broadchurch. Is it just murders again? Is it like Midsummer Murders? Is it just people people dying? I mean, I don't know. Somebody said, I'm surprised there isn't a Black Radio Presenters Association. But what for? I don't know what what would be the purpose of that. It doesn't make any difference on the radio, does it really? You're listening to somebody, whether whether you think it makes a difference what their ethnicity is, I don't think that makes any difference at all. I couldn't care less what... As long as they're entertaining, I don't really care. Sometimes I'm always surprised, you know, are they old, are they young? Oh, I'm having a look at quick Mystic Meg. This is the new Mystic Meg. This isn't the old Mystic Meg. They found another one to wear the acrylic wig. What does she say today? You will be decisive... And can make genuine and lasting progress at work and in a love partnership. Woohoo! Brace yourselves. Brace yourselves. A love part? What does that mean? A love partnership? Sounds slightly dodgy, doesn't it? Really? I'm not sure I could cope with that on a Tuesday or a Wednesday or, in fact, just about any day. Why is it every newspaper is full of blasted diets? Today, inside the Daily Mail, it's your Weight Watchers summer diet pullover. Pull out, sorry. I mean, who cares? Who cares? Uh, and then people turned up at um, L magazine. And uh, they say, isn't it supposed to be style, Vogue? And you've got Kim Kardashian looking ridiculous. You've got uh, Demi Moore. I don't know what God's name. She looks like she's wearing the sofa. Lara Stone, very boring. And Cheryl turning up in what can only be described as kinky boots with somebody else's hair stuck to her head. Didn't quite understand it. Uh, the BBC have picked Paul Gambaccini to replace Tony Blackburn. It's typical, that, isn't it? They, they suspend Paul Gambaccini. He's found innocent, nothing, nothing at all. And uh, and now, uh, Tony Blackburn. So presumably, after Tony Blackburn has finished, then they'll put him back on the programme. Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? He must be the only man who's been sacked, he said, for actually telling the truth from the BBC. Uh, also joining Broadchurch, Lenny Henry. It's in all the papers, actually. In all the papers. And uh, one here. So Lenny once took a public swipe at Charlotte Rampling, who appeared in Broadchurch's second series. After she claimed the debate around the black Oscar nominations was racist against white people. Lenny told the BBC award ceremony, I bought a house next to Charlotte Rampling. We get on like a house on fire. Her house is going to be. I still remember that. He used to say about Enoch Powell. He said, all uh, Enoch Powell says, this is one of Lenny Henry's great lines from years ago. He says, uh, we're going to give people £500 to go home. He said, it's great. I said, I only live in Bradford. That went down very, very well indeed. Very well. Uh, more on um, uh, Boris and his tyre-smoking donuts winning the racing car vote, which is good. I do quite like Boris. I do. I mean, I think he's sort of buffoonery of sort of the highest order. Uh, the census form is said to ask if you're gay or transgender. So you could confuse the census by putting down transgender and just seeing what the, what the outcome would be. Would you get treated any differently? I don't know. Uh, also, the summer airfare wars. This is going to save you some money, hopefully, uh, because at the moment there's a lot of British drivers stranded in France. Why? Uh, French petrol stations have run dry. We ran out of petrol once. I went to France with a friend of mine years ago and we ran out of petrol in the middle of nowhere. We had to hitch a ride in a car to go to a local garage. I mean, in the middle of France, it's, you might as well you know, ask for where is the nearest McDonald's because you don't find anything. In the middle of France, there are villages. Nobody appears to be out. You don't see any... It's almost like you go through the village. It's like the Pied Piper. All of a sudden, window shutters come down. Nobody talks to you. It's, it's the most bizarre place. 
It really, I know lots of people have got holiday homes over there, and it's lovely. But but they must find it quite difficult at times when when you sort of when we went through France, we we drove to Cannes. Uh, in the south of France, and you just follow. It's very easy, route de soleil. But everywhere in France, there is a signpost, somewhere in a village, an obscure village that goes Paris this way. And that's how it, that's how it works. It's unbelievable. Uh, there is proof in the Daily Mail today that uh, a Labour MP's anti-Israel outburst was anything but a one-off. And this is Naz Shah. And she's pictured at a London rally carrying a coffin at a pro-Palestinian event, uh, attacking Sainsbury's support for Israel, uh, pictured again, and also uh, circled at a protest against Israel in a Bradford restaurant in August 2014. Uh, Ms Shah did not respond to requests for comment. You will, dear. You will. Don't worry. They'll spread you over the papers. They'll find you. And uh, and they'll make you say something. So better be very careful. I hate it, you know, when these people... You say, excuse me, you're elected as an MP and you're going out doing things like this. <sighs> you're on dangerous ground, dear. Very dangerous ground. There was another story in the papers which I can't do at the moment because it's in, uh, it's in court. But it's a very interesting one. Once it's concluded, which I think it will this week, I shall, uh, I shall definitely go for it in a, in a big way. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. A lot of people talking about uh, training people. And so, because uh, employers now just want pre-programmed robots. Thank God it doesn't work like that in radio. You can imagine how dull radio would be if it was all pre-programmed. You can imagine if, you know, you didn't have... Uh, a station where the presenters actually had an opinion. Oh, sorry, that's BBC. I do beg your pardon. I'm, I was thinking out of the box there. You know, where they're not allowed to have an opinion. So they just go, thank you, and move on to the next thing. It's the biggest pile of rubbish you've ever heard. But there again, it's your BBC. Well, it's not really, it's theirs, but uh, they're not willing to uh, to share it. Drinking beer can extend your lifespan. Producer very excited by this one this morning. Doesn't actually say how much it's going to uh, increase your lifespan. I'm hoping not too long in his case. But, uh, and I don't even know, see, I can't drink beer. What if it works for Prosecco as well? Uh, the price war takes off as Ryanair slashes the airfares. England footballer Jamie Vardy has not invited his mother and stepdad to his wedding tomorrow. Also, his grandparents will miss the, gra- the grand occasion. Apparently, there's a, a bitter family rift over his uh, fiancée called Becky. Becky's wag. And they've got pictures of various wags in the papers. Lenny Henry doing his uh, U-turn. Macca on his years in pop and how he turned to, uh, to drink after the Beatles split up. And Brittany, back to her best, looking good, looking good at the Billboard Music Awards. All of that and more this morning, the sex swap bruvs, who are now sisters. Different fathers, of course. We'll tell you more about that after the news, which is next. On Leading Britain's conversation, this is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Tuesday, the 24th of May. I'm not sure about this weather today. I'm really not sure about this weather today. Uh, Cash will no longer be king. I must be the only person. I do use cash. I don't like to use credit cards. I'm totally convinced that somebody's going to clone the blasted thing. And so I don't like using... I know that people say, oh, you shouldn't carry cash all the time. But I do. I do have a debit card. I do have one credit card. And and that's it. I know somebody, they've got store cards like there's no tomorrow. I don't have any of that kind of stuff. Perhaps I should. Perhaps I could save more money. The sex swap brothers, who are now sisters and obviously revelling in it, uh, different fathers, they both discovered they were gay. And now they look after each other, so that's great. And the price war taking off. Ryanair slashes airfares. I suppose that'll be in time for the, uh, the Maybank holiday. We've got another Maybank holiday coming up. It must be... 
must be when? Next Monday or something like that. I don't know. It's always, a, it's always on a Monday. Who wants a bank holiday on a Monday? Why can't we have it on a Wednesday? Wednesday's much more exciting. Actually, Wednesday this week, people get paid. It's payday on Wednesday. Whoopee! There's excitement. I always get very excited about payday. I get excited about all sorts of things nowadays. I get expl- excited about plants growing. I mean, that gives you a rough idea, doesn't it? People uh, jumping on Jamie Oliver's back and saying, why don't you just butt out, Jamie, just to cook? Got nothing to do with you about the sugar and all the rest of it. It's funny, he only picked on certain companies, some of the bigger companies, who've got tons of sugar in their things. You know, he never mentioned at all. But then it's easy to get bogged down in the mire of, you know, this we campaign for, that we don't campaign for. Uh, Harry's turned up at the Chelsea Flower Show with his brother and his wife again. I mean, dear God, perhaps he'll move into their spare bedroom, make it a lot easier. It seems hardly... Poor old Harry must be sitting there with his teddy bear. Do you know that there was a rumour that he'd had a fling with Pippa Middleton? And Harry tried to get it stopped. It appeared, I believe, in OK Magazine in America. And I wasn't sure at the time if it was a spoof piece. You know, after the wedding, Harry was caught snogging Pippa in the bathroom somewhere and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and so they then did it. And he then made a, an official complaint and it got thrown out. They said basically anybody would have realised that this is just a, you know, it's a silly sort of thing. It's a nothing thing. It's a nothing thing. And also, Harry does get, you know, quite uppity at times about things. I mean, I remember he got particularly uppity when he was pictured in the Las Vegas hotel bedroom with hardly any clothes on in front of all these uh, people. He's obviously that sort of person. I thought, I mean, I thought he would be. I thought he, he's, he's probably desperate for the, uh, for the publicity. Uh, Ian says, oh, by the way, I thought he was. Dan Wooten is from New Zealand. I thought so. Have you ever been to New Zealand? Don't bother. Really don't bother. And um, Bridget says, I never disagree with you. Oh, you do occasionally. I don't mind people disagreeing. I like it. I think it's very healthy. But uh, Fern McCann is on the stage production of Gatsby at the Union Theatre. I don't even know where the Union Theatre is. What is the Union Theatre in London? Is it, is it big theatre, little theatre, medium theatre, off-Broadway or off, uh, off West End? I think that's always the best thing, isn't it? <laughs> Maggie says, I have a dream of waking up to the smell of bacon cooking. It's not going to happen because my, stall- my small dog can't cook. <laughs> You sound quite like that. That, to me, is, is a silly thing, isn't it? It's a silly thing. You know, the dog can't turn on the cooker and put a... Although, one of these days, you might walk into the kitchen and the dog's there going, pancakes, Wee! <laughs> That's what I'd like to see. I've always... I do see some people who've got the most beautifully behaved dogs, and I always think, that'd be a nice dog to have. That would be a good dog to have. Uh, so, not happening uh, at all with Jamie Vardy. His mother and stepfather have not been invited to the wedding. And uh, also the grandparents not going. There's a bit of rift over his fiancée, Becky Nicholson. And a right Becky Nicholson she looks too. There's a picture of her and her scanties in the paper. And um, his, uh, his stepdad, Phil, who raised him as his own since he was a baby, uh, will not be attending the bash. Nor will his, uh, his mum, Lisa. Also grandparents, Gerald and Mavis, missing. Uh, Vardy snubbed his family because uh, they don't get on with his fiancée, Becky Nicholson. Well, I don't like her either, so I'm not going to the wedding. <laughs> Can you imagine, though? There'll be nobody going soon to these things. I'm assuming it's going to be sold, you know, to a magazine and they'll have the usual sort of bunch of people they're dolled up to the nines. You know, if you don't like somebody, you don't like somebody. What do they say? You know, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. You're kind of stuck with them. But I always think to myself that life's a bit too short nowadays. And if you don't talk to somebody, once you leave it, and I have been guilty of this myself, if you leave it too long then it's difficult to get back where you were. And the, and the days go to the weeks, and the weeks go to the months, and the months go to the years. And then eventually you can't remember what the dickens it was you fell out 
about in the first place, and you can't go back. It's very difficult to do it. I've, I've only done it on two occasions, and it's been, it's been great. Don't get me wrong, it's been fantastic. But uh, you wish you'd never got into the situation in the first place. Mick and Carlid, assembling beds in West Sussex, that'll be the talent. Britain's got no talent, what a load of rubbish. We haven't, though, have we? It's all East European circus acts. That's what they are. You know, the sort of things we've, we've got. I mean, the best thing that we've got is that gospel choir. And there are some great gospel... They are good. They're very energetic. I love a gospel choir. And they seem to be multi, multi-racial. They seem to cover everything, which is good. Any plans, says Richard, to interview Brian May? He could, he could tell a, a good, uh, good story. Um, no, I haven't at the moment. No, no. Toby says, I live in East Anglia. And you hardly ever see any non-whites. Does that make me racist? Political correctness has gone mad. I don't know. I remember it's, it's, it's sort of, it's all gone a bit mad, hasn't it, really? You, bit, you can't say anything now. You can't use the term blackboard, manhole cover. That seems to be out of favour as well. Uh, somebody says, are radio presenters paid weekly or are they salaried? Uh, they certainly wouldn't be salaried, that's a fact. And they wouldn't be paid weekly either. Never. I've never heard of a radio presenter paid weekly. What, you think you turn up and they give you a little brown envelope? No, no, no. You invoice, you get paid. Well, I mean, it seems to work for, for most of us. You, you get paid per programme you do. If you don't do a programme, you don't get paid. Why would they bother doing that? Why would they bother putting you on salary? If you go off sick for two months, well, they're still going to keep paying you. No company is going to be doing anything like that. I only know of two salaried presenters in this, in this building, which I find really unbelievable. One of them is a very good friend. And... Um, and she's been staff, as we call it. We don't call it salaried. We call it, uh, we call it staff. She's been staff for years. But no, ma- mainly people are, are paid by the show. So if you do 22 shows in a month, you get paid for 22 shows. If I fall ill on one of my shows and then go off sick, then I cross it off the next month's invoice. That's how it works. It's a, it's a fairly, fairly good system and it seems to work very nicely. <laughs> Well, it works very nicely at the moment. Other stories in the uh, the papers today. I don't understand. I don't know anything about Drake. I think I'm supposed to be uh, aware of this. And uh, an unfair cop. They had to apologise, the police, uh, to two girls who they thought uh, were thieving. They had um, CCTV pictures and they claimed they'd stolen makeup. Uh, police wrongly thought they were the thieves and appealed online for help to catch them. The girls were left in tears because it's people burst into tears now at the drop of a hat. And uh, one of them's sister said it was really horrible. She's a good person who's never done. All right, except the fact they made a mistake. Get over yourself. All right, grow up. Goodness sake. So they made a mistake. There are people who are entitled to make mistakes. Nowadays, I was traumatised. I was asked to stop breastfeeding, you know. I was on the number 32 bus at the time. You know, and people, oh, oh, grow up. I'm so bored with people nowadays. And uh, even the police from Cambridgeshire said, we made an honest mistake in a deeply unfortunate circumstances. And they've apologised. Get over it, right? So bored with people nowadays. They seem to be looking for compensation everywhere, don't they? Which I find terribly tedious. Uh, then there was um, oh, a lot of people saying that they um, there was a survey done about whether or not you want it to rain at the weekend. And you know why? Because people say if it rains, we can justifiably become lazy. In other words, we don't we don't have to do it. Morning, Phil Vickery. We don't have to do anything. So if it's sunny, your other half will then say, "Are you going to do that lawn? You're going to plant those things up? They've been sitting there for a week." Do you want to help me do the washing and the ironing? But if it's raining, you don't have to go outside. You could stay inside. Which is lovely, isn't it? I mean, I like that. I like having lazy days. Today is going to be a sort of a lazy day. Not, not a proper, proper lazy day. But I will be just sort of... Uh, I'm doing the VAT this morning if it kills me. I'm getting in and I'm doing it. Because I know it's only going to take five minutes and I breathe a sigh of relief. Once I've filed it, I'm fine. It's filing the blasted thing that's the problem. Uh, back pain drugs do more harm than good. 
They're addictive, but they don't offer relief, say the experts. You're better off with, wait for this one, a hot water bottle. You know, you can get, you know, I mean, I don't know if you, have you ever had back pain. It is the worst pain. Next, there are two, two pains. One is anything to do with your feet, which means you can't stand up. One is um, toothache. And the other is back pain. And back pain is a killer. It's like all of a sudden you go, oh, and the pain ricochets through your body. The only thing that ever worked for me was a drug called diclofenic. And then they, they took me off it because they said it's not good for diabetics. And I think they were trying to cut down on people using it. But it, it was a muscle relaxant. It was the only thing that worked. It was, I mean, I thought it was brilliant. But there again, all the things I think are brilliant are gradually taken away from me. So they, they, they took away the diclofenic, which was also very good if you were going into the dentist. And you sort of had a fear of that kind of thing. That generally freaks most people out. And so the, the back pain drugs now, they say a hot water bottle. Well, I'm sorry, you cannot sit on a train with a hot water bottle. You know, fine at home. I mean, I was all right when I was sort of lying down. But when you try and sit up, you ah, pain was awful. Really, really bad. Uh, just so you know, the Union Theatre, says Adrian, is a small fringe theatre situated in the borough of Southwark in London, England. Thank you, Adrian. He says, big time, eh? Yes. No, I mean, see, all these things, they go, oh, right, so they do a little thing, don't they? Who was it the other day? It was somebody, somebody from one of the reality shows said, oh, I think I'll be a presenter. Well, we heard that from silly old Spencer Matthews, silly old steroid Spencer Matthews. You know, they, oh, I think I'll be a presenter. So they're making up a show, and you think, what can he possibly present? The man's an idiot. I don't want idiots on the television. Bad enough every time Kerry Katona turns up anywhere. And as for that ridiculous Jordan, painting a horse pink. I'm sorry, why she wasn't prosecuted by the RSPCA, I've got no idea. Is that not dangerous or something? Carving sort of initials into the back of it. What sort of woman is she? Well, what sort of woman is she? And there's the big question. OK, quickly, uh, LBC News Time, 6.15, the latest headlines for you this morning. Rupert Bartia. Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. Ashley says he lives in a, in a South Cambridgeshire village, 400-ish people, and no black people there at all. But do you, th- do you think people, I mean, village life, I'm told, is fairly, fairly unusual nowadays. I remember a friend of mine moved into a village and they didn't seem to like outsiders coming in because villages traditionally grew up. You know, your, your parents were in the village and then you bought a house in the village and then all your family it became a little bit incestuous. And then all of a sudden, people from London and other big cities started making a lot of money and they started moving out to these little villages going, isn't that pretty? We live in a nice, pretty little village in Essex. And believe you me, there are some absolutely gorgeous villages in Essex. If, if you know, if you think it's all the Fern McCanns of this world and people like that and Gemma Collins, forget it. They're, they're, they're just a tiny little non entity group. You go to some of these villages, they're beautiful. Village greens, you know, really, really nice places, really nice places. So I should imagine South Cambridgeshire is probably equally as pretty. I don't think I've ever been there. I don't think I've ever been to, I can't remember if I've ever been to, uh, to Cambridge. I don't think I have, actually. Perhaps I should go. Bars and Melody. Thank you, Tom. I couldn't remember the name of this group, you know, saw Mr. DJ play. And it's these little kids who's doing this rap. He's a little white boy, but he's speaking, even when he's speaking to Alicia Dixon, because I really like, like you, Alicia. Why couldn't he just say, I really like you, Alicia? Well, somehow, you know, why does he have to say, because I really like, like you, kind of thing, wicked? He's a little kid. He was like 10 years old. Good song, though. Very good song. Toothache Steve is the worst. Yes, if you've got an abscess. <gasps> God, an abscess. Oh, the worst thing ever. Where did they come from? I don't know. Uh, and Cece also loves the gospel choir. I thought they were brilliant. I thought they should win. I'm not interested in somebody who swallows swords. I'm not interested in a mother and son singing act. Slightly peculiar, if you ask me. I just, I thought the gospel choir were were great. 
I thought they were they were bouncy, they were energetic. In fact, they were so bouncy, they made me look as I wasn't even trying. They were, they were giving it big time and giving it large, and I loved it. I don't want to see another dance act, although I did like the Stormtroopers. I thought that was actually quite... I think they're all blokes. I think they're all blokes. They've been put together by, I think, Jennifer Ellison's husband, Rob Tickle. I'm sure there's a story that goes with Rob Tickle. I wish I could put my finger on it. But anyway, and... Um, and I'm sure they're all blokes. I was watching them dancing, thinking, are these just camp blokes or just blokes? Difficult to tell. They didn't look like they were women. Anyway, uh, Phil Vickery says, my wife can be a right pain in the neck. That's a real pain, let me tell you. God, I hope she never hears this. She'll be going to one of these days. Will you stop writing to him? You're only embarrassing me now. Only embarrassing. Apparently, um, Lee in Cambridge says, is a manhole cover homophobic? I don't, to be honest with you, I've lost the will to live sometimes. <laughs> some of the things you can say and some of the things uh, you can't. Lee also says, when you do an in-conversation, I'm assuming you chat longer than the interview, but it's edited. Do you get paid for the total interview or the time you spend with the guest? And when it's pre-recorded, how does it work with the pay? No, you just get paid for the programme. I'll just get paid for doing the programme. But no, we, I, I don't do any longer than the interview. Oh, no, 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 no. Because we, we don't make mistakes. We do not make mistakes. I, mean, I know some people, if they're, you know, like Ryland, the programme would have to be edited because I should imagine there's probably mistakes all over the place. But uh, no, for In Conversation, I do it in what they call real time. So when I say special guest In Conversation this week, it's Bear Grylls. I'll be doing that and it will go through. I'm, I don't do retakes. We don't, we don't have predetermined questions or anything like that. We just do a, a conversation. It's a chat. It's like you, you sit down with your friends. You don't go, uh, what are we going to talk about today? And they give you a list of subjects. It doesn't work like that. You just sit down with somebody. They know what they're in to talk about. I'll talk about their life. I'll have read up about them, so I know exactly what I'm talking about. So we don't do longer than the interview. There is a, they, we have to sometimes cut down on what we've done, in which case then the podcast is the longer version of it. But not too long, sometimes three minutes, something like that. But I, I just do the normal length, but then depending on how many adverts there are around at the time, that's how it works. But no, I just get paid for doing the programme, whether I sit there for a day doing it or I sit there, I just get paid for doing the programme. It's the way it works in the business, thank goodness. And, and very nice it is too. And incidentally, thank you for reminding me that it's on uh, Saturday morning on LBC Now. The best of Steve Allen. And it's a very good programme, very funny. In fact, yesterday the producer, Big Chris, uh, was saying to me, he said, I've already got the first two parts of this weekend's, uh, this week's programme coming up, the best of Steve Allen. We did a, we were doing, what we did, we were talking about something, I can't remember anyway, we were talking about something and he said, that's the bit that I'm going to run in the in the best of Steve Allen. He'll hear something and think, that's good, that's worth repeating. And because it's only an hour, it used to be two hours, an hour is much better, I think an hour's better. And then we have an hour of in conversation and then you get Andrew Castle with The Breakfast Show. And then on Sunday, you get... Two hours between five and seven of me with the Sunday papers, which I absolutely love. And then you get Andrew Castle and then you get the broomstick woman, Katie Hopkins, my favourite. She's left her broomstick. I don't know how she got home on Sunday. Seriously, the broomstick was still here this morning when I came in. So she's obviously parked it up. The fact it's got a clamp on it, I suppose, would have something to do it. Uh, what is the secret of Adele's sleek new look? She's been on a, a diet, buckwheat, kale and green tea. Now, there are a million diets in the world. There must be a million diets because it's a multi-billion pound industry. And they say on this one, I won't tell you what it is, but um, you have to eat from the plant kingdom. Vegetables and things like olives, extra virgin olive oil, onions, kale, parsley, black currants, 
tofu, capers and cocoa. And they say you can lose £7 in seven days. Who cares? Who cares? I don't really care. Seven, you're not supposed to use £7 in seven days. You're supposed to lose £2 a week. That's what doctors recommend. £2 a week is what you're supposed to do. Anything more than that, and it could be dangerous. So just be careful. You want a diet? Go to the doctor. Don't waste your time with any third-rate Z-list celebrities bringing out some tedious old thing. You know that they're going to be out there. They're going to be starting very shortly. You're going to see fat, overweight celebrities pictured in a, in a public park with a little crop top on, with their gut hanging over the top of their little micro shorts to make them look even fatter. And you will look for, for this, look no further. The, the reason you've not seen her for a moment, Gemma Collins, is because she's doing a diet that comes with pills in it, if you please. My advice is only go to the experts. Don't go to people who are flogging you this this kind of thing, because she'll be working out with a trainer. And the moment she's done it, she'll be stuffing her face back again. That's what she does. That's what she does. She's a yo-yo dieter. You know, she oh, I can't do this, can't do that. It's a waste of space. Don't, don't waste your time, presumably. Uh, she's doing it at the moment. They'll be taking photographs. They'll have a big fat photograph of her wearing a bikini on the beach going, look how fat she is, because they'll go, listen, you can earn 200,000 quid out of this. That's how it, uh, that's how it works. Uh, back in Britain after 800 years, the elbow of Thomas a Beckett. Well, that's what they say it is. And the Archbishop of West- Westminster, uh, Vincent Nichols, was holding the relic in London the other day, which is all very exciting. And uh, he was martyred. People used to flock to Canterbury to worship his bones. But uh, when his tomb in the cathedral's crypt was opened, a relic hailed as an inch-long fragment of his elbow was taken to Hungary, where it stayed for 800 years. Famously murdered, as you remember, Thomas a Becket, uh, when Henry II uh, is meant to have railed, "'Will no one rid me of this turbulent priest?' And so he was killed by four of the King's Knights in Canterbury Cathedral in 1170. And then the site became a pilgrimage and all the rest of it. So this little thing's come back again. And we're supposed to believe it's the elbow of Thomas a Beckett. I mean, I don't know. Is it? Who cares? Who cares? But they sort of hold it up. And if the church seemed to like it, well, that's fine. But I've always... My argument's always been, and I've said it a million times before, the Shroud of Turin. Supposed to be the shroud that, the, uh, that uh, wrapped the body of Christ. If that really was the shroud that was wrapped in the body of Christ, the Pope would be sleeping with it every night. It would be the most holy relic you could ever find if you found the crown of thorns and the cross that he was crucified on. But everybody knows it's just a nice little fake and it's very sweet, but it keeps people going there. So, you know, that's good for them. Listen, just about it for this morning. So, Knives Out for Cameron. Adele Sleep Look is on the Daily Mail. Vardy Mum and Dad Wedding Snub from the Daily Star. I love it when families fight. It makes my life very easy. Uh, also, the, the Express Day, Happy and Glorious, the Queen in full bloom at Chelsea. She's 90. Unfortunately, she had to suffer with Harry turning up again like the proverbial bad penny and Eugenie and Beatrice. Uh, price war takes off as Ryanair slashes airfares. I suppose they had to. We were working out the other day. They were more expensive than British Airways on one of their routes to Barcelona. Uh, never mind the... It's the Brexit doom dossier fury. And uh, Sheridan, 999-dash after spa collapse, sugar tax on cereal. Loads of sugar in cereal. I can, I could tell it straight away as a diabetic. Uh, and the Daily Mirror, eat fat and lose weight. Not sure whether that's a particularly good idea. And they find the killer dog. And I think, I think it's been destroyed. I'm not entirely sure if it has at the moment. But this is the one who uh, was supposed to be the family pet who decided to, uh, to clamp onto its owner's throat and ripped it out. And the family could do... Nothing about it. Absolutely nothing at all. I said to you before, no such thing as bad dogs, but uh, it'll be be destroyed. Uh, it's bad owners, people who don't train their dogs. And uh, 
and they don't look after them properly. And that's it. Anybody can go out and, and buy a dog. It's whether or not you can look after it properly, and you should. Uh, Amy says, you make my 4.30 start so much better. I frequently laugh out loud. Try not to do it by yourself. They'll throw you a fish. You know, try and try and do it in the company of other people. And, uh, and David says, I live in Cornwall and I still go past uh, some I've never heard of. I think I need to get out more. You must get out more. So uh, fingers crossed for the gospel choir. And uh, back with you uh, tomorrow morning. Kevin the Milkman says you should go for my pay structure. I'm paid per pint. You could earn a fortune if you're paid per word. Well, that'd be nice. Phil says the worst thing about Londoners moving into villages, they complain about country smells, church clock chimes and bell ringing. You are so right. You are so right. Have a great day, everybody. You can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. Download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet and never miss a moment. Leading Britain's conversation at seven, Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Emma Crosby's looking at the papers. Next, though, it's Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This is LBC.